0: so i didn't I didn't really prep a opening for this either.
1: Uh, uh, just as I didn't last week, it's fine.
0: I, I had considered doing a long, uncomfortable gag about the word mommy and its current. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Got reflexed at this point. Right. right. Yeah, no, you're
0: right. Uh, kind of its <laughs> it's current trend on the TikToks and the Twitters and the things. <laughs> it's kind of double meaning, specifically because of the movie we're covering today. Uh, but then I realized that we have not one, but two possibilities being canceled today. And you know God, I'm not going to pass that up.
1: Fucking damn it! <laughs> not a, not again. Uh,
0: so the first one is there was a spark that occurred that caused this thought to come into being, but it's gone. I don't know where it is. So it's just happening for no reason. So apropos you of nothing. Threw
1: it out with all of your wire hangers. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the m- more actual cancelable offense. God. So you know we're we're an indie indie podcast, and we listen to a lot of fellow indie podcasts. Yeah, and. uh want like of all variety like i'll listen to stuff that i never wouldn't normally listen to like anything involving sports um you're not a sports boy i'm no. not i'm not you give it your all though I, you give d- it- I understand the baseballs and the footballs i do like hockey but yeah. i don't understand what the fuck's happening that's all right i just kind of like <laughs> yay <laughs> sports sports uh and you know <laughs> volleyball actually I, I do enjoy watching with volleyball hmm. Anyway, <laughs> the difficulty with listening to indie podcasts uh, and podcasting in general is that m- pretty much anybody can do it at this point. Uh, yes, Anchors made it, so this is not an ad. But Anchors made it impossibly easy to to do <laughs> to do the podcast. You just need to have like a cellular phone device. I mean, I, I-, I said idiots yes, did it. So yeah, yeah, we did it. But that means that anyone, including your racist uncle, can do it. And oh, yeah. Man. I'll i like want to support and promote a fellow podcaster, but I'm like, how much do I have to listen to before I can make sure you're not pawn scum? Something is really easy. It's like super easy. It's like, oh, their profile picture is. L- that's what it is. <laughs> um. <laughs> so first, yes,
1: you're. I I absolutely agree. Second, I'm gonna have to have a war with my racist uncle with the family reunion. Right.
0: <laughs> and then the other thought that kind of collided with the thought that's now gone is the conversation that we had with Antonio where he did an episode, I think for pride month and lost a bunch of viewers. Yeah. The episode Um, we
1: did for a cult worthy classic just recently where he talked. Oh my God. Like, like I shouldn't be surprised as I know people do stupid shit like
0: that, but so as kind of on theme for the heroine and antagonist of our topic today, that cleaning demon, I want to do a little bit of cleaning of our audience. And just let them know, like, right up front what they're getting into. And that if they do feel that little bit of racist in their heart or a lot, uh, they can go fuck right the fuck off.
1: There's plenty of space for them to do that. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: so, you know, if you, if you didn't already pick up on this from any of our previous podcasts, just go ahead. Uh, we're, we're very aggressive uh, individuals
1: it, it, it might have been if, if they've been actually listening it might have been the bit in the saving christmas episode where we went on a tirade about how racist the depictions <laughs> of like the two black people in that movie are yeah or you know the time that we challenge people to a fight if they got angry about elvira coming out of the closet mm-hmm.
0: yeah <laughs> just those are those are two good examples of our our beliefs so if either of those things upset you kindly go run in traffic don't do that you might upset somebody with a car uh <laughs>
2: Well, I guess to add to that, I am an overeducated, joyless feminist who uh, has too many cats. So if that bothers you, I-, I would encourage you to go sit somewhere quietly and think hard about your life choices.
0: At the and then of the
2: fuck off. <laughs> okay.
0: There we go. So that should clean out three of our four viewers. Yay. And, <laughs> and now the second cancelable offense is I. So we're doing mommy dears today yes uh which is about uh, Joan Crawford and what i r- discovered whilst researching her in the book that the movie is based on is that there are people that are very passionate about how not horrible of a person she was there's like l- like 2 hour long videos about how Joan Crawford didn't beat her children and wasn't an alcoholic it was actually those are all lies and we'll fight you. So come and cancel us. You
1: see, every time you say you're going to get us canceled, uh-huh. I think that you're actually going to do something that will get us canceled. But I think these are just reasonable statements.
0: <laughs> I'm going to have to try harder. You're right. This is th- oh, what did I just do? Damn it! I'll I'll send it back for a second draft and see what I come up with.
1: It's a, I swear, If I see one whiff of Holocaust denial, I'm throwing <laughs> you right into the, right into traffic. Actually. Uh.
2: Joe, that would cause property damage. That's the worst I crime our nation <laughs> has. You're right.
1: No, we can't. We, somebody, please think of the property.
2: What about the cars, Joe?
0: <laughs> Welcome to Drazzled. <laughs> True Crime Edition. <laughs> bum bum. Oh, no, no actual crime slash, well, no actual murders. True Crime Edition. <laughs> A podcast, one of the podcasts that I've made up to cover today's topic. Narcissists of Old Hollywood.
2: Oh, no, Jack. Which is
0: kind of misleading because we're just covering the one. Oh, no, Jack. (laughs) God, God, does she hate wire hangers.
2: No. Okay. Well, I guess we're going to do this up front. So discourse around this particular movie can get really stigmatizing towards certain mental health conditions. So I don't have a bell to ring every time somebody says something with the N word in it. but i might give you a little ding ding every now and then great
0: great um <laughs> hmm how many ding dings should i go for <laughs> um i was thinking like number of belt loops or like belt no. holes i think like it's, five or six
2: you know as many as uh, okay. as many as your heart drives will we will, we will to talk about to
0: narcissism as a person who's had to deal with narcissists their whole life i have a very little empathy for them but we'll get to that
2: we we will, we will hash that out later.
0: Great. Can't wait. I'm uh, excited. gonna try this again. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Drazzled True Crime Edition. No actual murders edition. A podcast within a podcast that I've made up to cover today's topic. Narcissists of Old Hollywood. You getting ding ding me? I'm waiting for it. That's two bells. Uh, which is a little misleading because we're only covering the one. And God, does she hate wire hangers. That's right. Today we're covering Joan Crawford and her s- stupid fucking biopic, Mommy Dearest. I'm host Jack Holbertson here to suffer alongside me as always is also host Joe Nealis. Hi, everybody. All the movies on Durazal one Worst Picture, The Razzies, the year they were released. The Razzies, for those of you who don't know, are something of reverse Oscars. They recognize the worst films of the year. <laughs> this, this question is even more, I feel like it's really poignant now. So we're joined by Becca today, and I gotta ask why. Why would you do this to yourself?
2: I didn't have anything better to do. No, um... <laughs>
0: We have that a lot.
2: Well, so (laughs) I think I have two primary qualifications for being here and then a third that just kind of exists. So first of all, again, as previously stated, joyless feminist, angry out here. My armpits aren't hairy, but you can imagine that they are if you want. And (laughs) uh, I have I have strong feelings about Uh how Hollywood treated women then and now. And I think that this film is a really interesting vehicle to talk about that. Also, I do comedy, Um, (sighs) which means that I spend a lot of time thinking about what makes things funny. And I think that this film, again, is a pretty good opportunity to talk about what is funny. Um,
3: Which is very little.
2: It is extremely little, which is unnerving when you go to like a midnight showing of this movie and lots of people are laughing.
0: I didn't know that was a thing. Oh,
2: Oh, yeah. I didn't
1: know that was a thing either. Holy shit. Oh, yeah.
2: And then third, kind of... (laughs) I I do work with brains. I, I know like the basics of some of the principles of mental health. And uh, one of the people that I work with has done a lot of therapeutic work with people with cluster B disorders um, and cluster B disorders include personality disorders that tend to manifest in sort of dramatic ways.
1: So like borderline narcissism, things like histrionic
2: um, and antisocial um, are the major four. And these are really thorny issues in discourse and you can get canceled real easy on the internet, depending on what you say about them, but I'm hoping that we can... You uh, get the smirk
1: off your face, (laughs) Jack (laughs) Olverson. I found one, Joe.
2: (laughs) I'm hoping to lend some balance and humanity to that conversation. I will Um, be at the
0: other end of the spectrum poking that bear. Okay. So we all have Merkins under our armpits. Let's just get that out of the way. Yes. All right.
1: Do you guys need a Merkins?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just... (laughs) Like Mr. Clean's head under there.
1: I no, I mean, I, I, I've i made no secret. Of, I think I've mentioned before that I have an almost Robin Williams level of hair growth. That's you true. have, yeah. but
0: I don't know that I've ever actually, even though we've lived together in the past, I don't know that I've ever seen you with your shirt off. That's
1: weird. Yeah. That's extremely weird. I don't
0: believe but... a word you've said until that shirt comes off.
2: Me either.
1: <laughs> well, I'm not doing it right now. <laughs> now there's pressure. <laughs>
0: So, we've kind of started to inch into this uh, a little bit, but (laughs) probably even should have said this earlier, but content warning for today's episode. (laughs) Uh, And there will be one up front, Joe, type the words.
1: I always put one into the episode description, so Uh, that's, yeah, that's always there as well.
0: There will be quite a bit of child abuse. I think the only person that was a worse mother than Joan Crawford would have been like a hamster. Uh, I
1: think there are probably some worse mothers than Joan Crawford.
0: I mean, hamsters eat their young.
1: Quokas throw their young at predators whenever they come at them. So <laughs> well, that's just also funny. that. that <laughs> God damn it! Uh, but also, there are human mothers that are probably worse than Joan Crawford was. Nope
0: she's the she's the worst. Uh, also, convoluted discussions about narcissism, less convoluted com- conversations about suicidal ideation, sexual assault, and cancer. Neat. I don't know why I was looking forward to this movie. Um, I was like genuinely when we first started this podcast, pretty excited to do this one. Uh, yeah,
1: I recall that.
0: My mistake. Well,
1: you, uh, from what you told me when we were going in to record the Amory Wars episode, mm-hmm. was that you had un- unwittingly become a Joan Crawford scholar. Yeah, I don't over the course of this. this. <laughs> and I think maybe that's part of the problem is that you you, you fell too deep down the hole. Uh,
0: so. For any of you who don't know, the movie is based on a book of the same name. It's yes. written by Joan Crawford's adopted daughter, Christina. Christina. I read the book like almost halfway through the book before I watched the movie. I also watched some of Joan's older films. I I'd watched Whatever Happened to Baby Jane years ago and really enjoyed it. But that movie actually comes towards the latter part of her career. She's, when you think of Hollywood royalty and the people of the Golden Age, she's very much that. She was there at the beginning of the talkies up through... I can't remember when her last film came out. Drog. It was a bad B horror film. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that happened because of what happened to Baby Jane is people saw her as kind of a proto-Scream
1: Queen, which is weird. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, She ended up in a bunch of kind of like hatchet thriller type movies that make I, I haven't watched no. any of them. Maybe they're maybe they're awesome. Is it
1: before or after she joined the board of Pepsi?
0: This would have been I want to say after, but I can't say for certain. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into it. I actually before we do any of the movie proper, I have a very, very, very short version of uh, a bio of of her. Oh, yeah, which I'm going to read right now. And if you have anything you want to throw throw in that you've learned Go ahead. Born in March of maybe 1904, maybe 1908. She lied about her age. Oh. And nobody knows for certain how old she is. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, I, I learned
1: that today. Mm-hmm.
0: Her birth name was Lucille Faye LeSueur, which I think is
1: fucking sweet. That's a great name. Like, Lucille LeSueur?
0: Lucille LeSueur. Like, can you imagine that? Hollywood it's a, it's, name?
1: It's a little Stan Lee, but I right, like it.
0: Right. Uh, so she was a swell flapper uh, from San Antonio, Texas, with dreams of stardom. Soon she found herself in Hollywood where MGM held a contest and movie weekly to find her name that had more star power behind it. The, the contest, uh, I, it wasn't initially Joan Crawford. There's like one other name that like was voted on first but there was already an actress by that name. So she ended up with Joan Crawford, uh, which she did not. She specifically did not like Crawford because she said it sounded like crawfish mm-hmm. uh, crawdad, or crawdad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She worked relentlessly to become one of the most famous actresses in Hollywood, starring as a dancer in silent films. She, she as well as being a flapper, she was also a chorus girl, uh, having an affair with Clark Gable, being nominated best actress three times and winning once. Being named Box Office Poison and After She'd Made a fuck ton of Movies helped create the Pepsi generation, which is possibly the weirdest part of this story. Some of her films include Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Mildred Pierce, Sudden Fear, and Trog. All this is to say that she was an incredibly important and famous person of her day. Perhaps most crucial to her success was her ability to manipulate the tabloids, which is whatever until you get children involved. So, here's where I would normally do a summary of the movie, but and I will. I would like to do it a little differently, because... We're
1: going to do one word at a time, switching between each of us. We're going to
0: popcorn... <laughs> it's
1: an improv game now, you see?
0: I couldn't hate this more. <laughs> well, let's
1: do your thing, then.
0: Okay. Since there's a great many differences between the book and the movie and the truth... We are going to... I'm going to say what happens to the movie. And when you feel, if at any point, that's a fucking lie, say bullshit. And then I will say either, nope, that happened. Or, yeah, this is actually what happened. I I should say that... <laughs> so, so, Faye Dunaway... Or, yeah. Uh, Joan Crawford is portrayed by Faye Dunaway in the film. Yes. And sh- she's said many, 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 many times that the only people who know what happened between joan and her daughter is those two and god um which means just those two. just those two just. uh however i lean towards what happened in the book written by her daughter and if that's a lie she is amazing at lying because you did read the book if hmm? i'm not mistaken yeah, yeah. Uh, so
2: so something that i will contribute sure. i guess to that is we know that at least some of the timelines of events and details of events mm. in the book do not line up with facts about Joan Crawford's life. For example, there's a part where Yule Brynner is supposed to have been having an affair with Joan Crawford mm. while he was making The King and I, and that was years too early for him to have been making The King and I. So okay. something's weird. That being said, factual inaccuracies in a victim's recounting of their experience is not a refutation of their experience. It just means that memory isn't perfect.
0: right? Oh, I was just about to ask, being that I assume she has PTSD, perhaps her memory is...
2: So, yes, trauma can affect how your memories are stored. Mm-hmm. And also, we are hearing this from someone who was a child at the time. Yeah, And yeah. I don't know about you all, but my memories of my childhood... The further back I go, the less specific I can be about when things happened. It's a lot more flashbulb memories of, like, I remember this experience, but I don't remember the actual details surrounding where I was and when it was.
1: Yeah. I, I for one, cannot even remember why I was arguing with my Wolverine toy. <laughs> or what about? I just, I just know not happened. So, and... and, and I e- put him in a tree and threw rocks at him. <laughs> He probably deserved it. It was Wolverine. It was Wolverine.
2: So then on top of all of that, mm-hmm. human memory in general is very uh, right. malleable. So even from adults, even when nothing traumatic is happening, um, the odds that you're going to get some kind of detail wrong about a story that you're telling are pretty high because our brains are not computers. They are organic matter. So our recall <sighs> yeah. is affected by all the t- other times that we remember something. So
1: Stupid think meat.
0: So, and this is a very truncated version of both the movie and the book but if there's something in there that you're like this doesn't line up with the timeline please tell me that is the only
2: example that i know of okay. um based on i i was reading some interviews from some people mm-hmm. who like you said uh really want to clear joan crawford's mm-hmm. name Many of them are former coworkers of hers. Uh, and a lot of the quibbles were things like that. I didn't remember yeah. most of them because they don't seem particularly important to me. Christina Crawford's right. life was not revolving around Yul Brynner's work <laughs> at the time that he was arriving at her house.
0: I, I do remember that part in the book, but only because she describes him first. And I'm like, that sounds familiar. <laughs> and then she says who it is. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is him. But no, that didn't like impact her her life terribly.
2: But yeah, so when we're talking about like quote unquote what really happened, I would tend to agree with you that there is an essential truth that may be surrounded by some factual inaccuracies cool, cool, that cool. we might be hitting upon.
0: Indeed. All right, let's go ahead and let's talk about this movie. Woo! Mommy Dearest is a biopic loosely based on the book of the same name, a book authored by Joan's adopted daughter, Christina. Unlike the book, which is from Christina's point of view, we focus on Joan and her career. We open on Joan, played by Faye Dunaway, beginning her Patrick Bateman morning routine. There's an idea of a Joan Crawford, some kind of abstraction, but there is no real Joan Crawford, only an entity, something illusory, and a thought I can hide behind cold gaze. You you get the point. I kind of wanted to go on, but I don't know what like the copyright issue is. And <laughs> get, <laughs> You get the idea. Um, you see Joan coolly scold a maid for missing a spot on the floor. She like lifts up a pot, and she's like, you missed that spot on the pot.
1: Yeah, clean under the thing so you can yep. get the dirt that no one sees.
0: Um,
2: can, I, can I just point out, we're going to plant a seed here. Mm-hmm? She says something that I think is incredibly metaphorically resonant, which is, I'm not mad at you, I'm mad at the dirt. Yes. She <laughs> says, after she yelled at the person after, that she's she's not right. actually mad at
0: yeah she's already yelled like she's already demonstrated yeah. that anger. um I would say this is like a soft bullshit, um some very like soft stool, if you will uh oh. because it, sh- the scene does have her scold the maid, but in comparison to the way that the book portrays her conversing with her staff that was that was nothing. she ran the the agency she was using to have maids and whatever ran out
1: mm-hmm. They just ran out? Yeah, they ran out.
0: There was, there, we got nothing left got, for you?
1: No more cleaning people. Yeah.
0: Sorry. I'm sure that moment didn't actually happen. It was just like an example to show her clean freakiness. I, I imagine it was probably a little bit more strict. Sure. Later, we see Joan discussing her desire for a baby with the lawyer boyfriend, Greg Savitt. She's unable to have children, having had a miscarriage with her previous husband. I think Franco is how you say his name. Franco Tone
2: bullshit there were multiple
0: ah there's so much bullshit in that statement there's <laughs> just like you know that pile of poop in jurassic park yeah that larger sticks her hand into that that yeah. much bullshit throughout joan's life there the, just like the word miscarriage comes up a lot yeah so her first husband was douglas fairchild jr who's the child of douglas fairchild and mary pickford who were if you could think of a king and queen of the silent film era it would be those two Hmm. they I I forget what film industry they I think Artisan was their film industry or their their film company they came up with. That's not true. There it was whatever it was. It was like it was around forever and then it collapsed recently. Um interesting. But uh, m- specifically Mary Pickford really, really did not like Joan cause she was a she was a flapper. Like at that point she wasn't like famous, famous. She was just uh, she just hated she her was, because she was a flapper. She was like a Joan had a reputation for being like the fun girl at the bar, who's a little promiscuous and dances and does all the drugs, f. Scott Fitzgerald says, if you were trying to think of like the epitome of a flapper, it's her.
2: He also weirdly waxed poetic about the pain in her eyes for a little while, which is that super upsetting
1: right. what, Fitzgerald did that, yes, yeah, that sounds like him,
0: like I don't remember that quote, but like, oh yeah, no, I'm sure he did. <laughs> It, it, it was like- it was
2: such a predatory view of women because he's like talking about how she's the most ideal, perfect flapper. And then he's also throwing in like, clearly she's had some emotional trauma. Isn't that wonderful?
0: I don't God, believe it's so hot that she's seen some shit. I, I can't oh. believe he would ever write something like that.
2: I know he was such a famous supporter of women
0: <laughs> and alcohol. Um. So <laughs> mostly that one, mostly that one. <laughs> There, it's been suggested, mostly by Christina, probably by some other people, that when Joan became pregnant with her first husband, that Mary Pickford, I'm going to say, persuaded her to have a miscarriage. Because to have a grandchild would make Mary Pickford look, like, old and stuff. Ugh, you don't want that. If you're Hollywood royalty. Anyway...
2: We could have a running tally of every time that a woman competes with another woman in this. But oh my uh, god,
0: I don't have enough belt loops.
1: <laughs> I don't. I
2: I can't count that
1: high. I yeah. I majored in words, not math.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you guys know this. But this is a really problematic story. What? what? Yeah, it's. I would say Saving Christmas is more problematic, but it's that but one's. But, so this, pro- but
1: this is a story. But this
0: <laughs> right. Uh, aside from that, um with her second husband she had uh, multiple miscarriages um that's rough yeah uh,
2: particularly if one was persuaded to have a miscarriage yes, in the, the 20s in a way that might have caused right, later ones right.
0: and then other people have suggested that she just didn't want to have children naturally because it would make her look old but i'm leaning more towards she had actual miscarriages
2: Given that we we see some evidence in this film, and I'm assuming in the book, of the fact that Joan clearly has some disordered eating tendencies, if not a full-blown disorder, wouldn't be surprised if she wasn't super keen on the idea of being visibly pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Turns out that makes her body bigger. What? Like that.
0: That's weird that way, huh? Yeah. Moving on to the story, the the movie. Having been denied... By the adoption agency, she gets help from Greg to secure the baby. This is Christina. Who just does? Who just does. They go real, um, it's,
1: it's like, oh, sorry, we're denying you a baby. Ne- cut to next scene. Here's your baby.
0: <laughs> Which is he does completely legally and without any mob involvement. And um, he also secures a son for her, Christ-
1: Christopher. Bullshit. He stole both of them. Uh, kind of. Was... <laughs> Jesus Christ.
2: So I know the son...
0: The son is definitely way more illegal than Christina.
2: M- way more illegal.
0: Way more illegal. Yes. Yes.
2: So I know that I know that there was an adoption ag- agency that was kidnapping children <laughs> to send to <laughs> California,
1: uh-huh. and that, it
0: a, they refer to it as a baby farm. I think. I, That's where you want to get your babies, baby so, farm.
1: So, so first, no, I don't want to get my babies from a baby farm, and second, baby farm fits on knuckles. Joe, as a tattoo.
2: Joe, did you never see a Cabbage Patch Kids yeah, Joe. Store? Oh,
1: no. <laughs> oh, I assumed they were homegrown. What
2: happened? They are. They're farmed. <laughs> that's where Christopher came from. Oh,
1: shit. Think... Does that explain why we don't see him for 90% of the fucking movie? Yeah, if they're you still think growing up. That's them.
2: bad. <laughs> Think about her twins. They <laughs> didn't show up at all. Yeah, you yeah, mentioned them weird. when we were
1: watching it. Like th- like two or three other kids two? that are just okay, just yeah. two. They're not
0: fucking mentioned in the film at yeah, all. I can't remember, did they not mention the twins whatsoever? Oh, they don't no. We
1: have That's no idea really that she weird. has other children. Like I didn't know it until Becca said it. Like I was okay. like, we'll I will to that. say,
2: yeah, I mean, we can talk later about why I I think probably they got cut, but <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm curious, because um, I, I just assumed it was for, like, streamlining the story that was already mm-hmm. super choppy. Wee. So, Christina does have adoption papers, but it was from a agency in Las Vegas.
1: They fell off the back of a truck. It
0: was basically like they fell off the back of a truck. Christopher does not have adoption papers, and- He fell
1: off the back of a truck.
0: He also fell off the back of the truck, possibly a mob truck.
1: Well, yeah, stuff doesn't fall off regular
0: trucks. right. <laughs> There is a chapter, and this is, like, one of the moments in the book that I'm like, you might be reaching a little bit, Christina, where her mother goes to visit a known mobster in, I think, Florida. Fat Tony. It was Fat Tony. (laughs) And Christina thinks that it might be to, like, thank him for his help procuring Christopher. (laughs) Uh, On the day of his daughter's wedding. Right, right. I'm like, it it was probably done illegally. I don't know that it was specifically, like, this, this guy moving on.
1: She finishes thanking him and leaves. He turns to his to his capos and goes, the fuck was that? We stole a baby? <laughs> when we do that? <laughs> when we do that? I told you fucking goons not to steal no
0: babies no more. <laughs> and thus was the beginning of the Cabbage Patch dolls. Oh no. <laughs> I think there's actually some not quite true crime elements behind the Cabbage Patch doll industry, but some, like, IP theft. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, we know of it. They're all creepy as hell, and I'm mad they exist.
1: But without them, we wouldn't have Garbage
0: Pail Kids. I was just thinking, that, like, I do like Garbage Pail Kids, though. <laughs> <laughs> Which only exists because they couldn't get the copyright yeah. to do Cabbage Patch Kids. Oh,
1: the irony.
2: Shout out to all my uh, 80s girls who do still have their Cabbage Patch hidden somewhere uh, special.
0: <laughs> you know, honestly, I think it was the <laughs> texture of the fabric they used mm. was real scratchy. Yeah. And I hated it.
2: I had I had one of the ones that looks like a baby, so it didn't have the, like, scratchy yarn oh, hair. Oh, okay. And, you know, for the first four years of my life, constant companion. I, I don't know what to tell you.
1: They saw <laughs> a lot of Star Wars and X-Men and Ninja Turtles.
0: I had a, a pound puppy. Oh. That oh, yeah. they. It was, like, the specific kind that would become a guard dog. You could, like flip its brow down so it was like oh I know its I remember up. that one yeah um, was floppy because it had floppy ears yeah uh, oh those things were great and you'd turn him into like guard dog at night so he'd protect you from the boogeyman exactly
1: can, um, yeah he keeps he keeps the ghosts away
2: spinoff podcast about 80s toys coming in twenty twenty. <laughs> I was just thinking we could we could have you back for when
0: we cover the Garbage Pail Kids movie because that one's a real <laughs> real bad movie
1: I don't think that was nominated for any Razz. it
0: wasn't though. I don't think it was paid attention to Anyway, following a rather <laughs> extravagant birthday party in which Christina is show uh, showered with gifts, Christina is allowed to pick just one, and the rest are sent to charity. The press likes this. Christina does not.
1: Fair, like nice gesture and everything, but hey, maybe maybe let your kid have toys, and yeah.
0: presents. Yeah, that's that's a pretty big chunk of the book as well. Is her talking about that? It was more she said more for like Christmas, but it was it was like some of those it was she. she it didn't feel
1: right for them to jump all the way to Christmas. So. Right.
0: Uh she described it as Joan wanting to teach her a lesson about like appreciating stuff.
1: Which she does kind of they do kind of talk about that in the uh in the dialogue of the film as well. Mm-hmm. Like she talks about wanting her kids to know the value of a dollar.
0: Right. What they don't mention in the movie, to my recollection, is how much shit Joan bought for herself.
2: Yes. Yeah, that's right. Well they show it later. Do they? Because in one of the in one of the later scenes where she is passed out, Christina notices a bunch of shopping bags and says, "I thought mom was said we were out of money." Yeah, this mm-hmm. is like right after um, she
1: like is like trying to tell her she can't afford to send her back to school, basically. And right, Poor right, sainted
2: right. Carol Ann is like, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to tell you.
0: Fucking Carol Ann, <laughs> ride or die. Uh, several abusive scenes follow where Joan beats Christina in a race.
1: Oh, the repeated pull races. That was deeply uncomfortable, and you could also see it on Greg's face as he's, like, trying to leave, and he turns back <laughs> yeah. and watches, and he's just like, oh, come on. Don't do that.
0: Yeah, that's not in the book, that specific moment. I, that vibe is the kind of competition with Joan and her daughter, but mark I don't somewhere. know if they were just trying to find a way to visually show it.
2: I was wondering, I don't know if you know mm-hmm. this off the top of your head, when did The Great Santini
0: come out? I don't even know what that is.
2: Ah, so The Great Santini is a movie about an abusive father, and there is a scene where he beats his son in a one-on-one basketball game, I believe. It's been a long time since I saw any part of this movie. Okay. But he kind of taunts his son, and he bounces the basketball off his head a couple times and goes like, what, you gonna cry? I hate that. It's terrible. It's really, really upsetting to see, Uh, and because it's a man doing it. Mm. I don't think anyone would laugh while they were watching it. Wait, Um, so
1: that bit in Austin Powers 2 when he's hitting Rob Lowe in the face with the big globe is a reference to the great Santini? I believe so.
0: There's so many references in the Austin Powers movies that go over your head unless you specifically have seen that one thing.
2: I think it's more like if you grew up Exactly at my dad's age. And okay.
0: Saw all As this. Mike
1: Myers probably <laughs> did.
2: That's uh, so, yes. Shout yeah. out to my dad who made me watch five minutes of The Great Santini once <laughs> and it happened to be relevant. <laughs> Just this.
1: so you could get that joke from Austin Powers. Well, and also Chuck A is coming in clutch again. Oh, Just,
2: God. The man's a genius. Um, so <laughs> I don't know which of these came first.
1: I can answer that. Uh, the Great Santini came out in 1979. Oh. So, so it did this come out is, first. Actually
2: relatively recent after that Right movie. on the heels of, yeah. So the idea ah. of an abusive parent sort of lording it over their child in sports had already been done very famously. So I don't know if they were trying to make...
0: This came out a year after. Well, the book came out a year after, so I can't imagine that it at least wasn't aware of that scene.
2: That's... Well, I... the
0: book, no, but the film. Right, yeah, Well, because it's not in the book, but it is right. in the film.
2: So that's... I, I wonder if that was an addition. For... I'm
0: going to say... Durazzled officially says it is.
1: That's our official stance and if you want to if On the you, if you great want to fight, Santini fight us about <laughs> it, if you want to fight us about it, you can meet us at the park at 4 p.m. Uh director We've already Frank told you this. you know what park?
0: I don't even know if don't director Frank carries a lot by the
1: Great anymore, Santini very well.
0: <laughs> anyway, after she loses the race, Christina says like you cheated and you suck and is locked in the um, pool, pool house
1: she, she'll, she'll, never play, she'll never play with her again.
0: Right. Joan, again, this is a series of like, abusive scenes. Uh, Joan catches Christina wearing her makeup and cuts off all of her hair. Oh, that was harrowing. Yeah, I, I can't remember if that exact thing happened, but like something close to it.
2: So Christina has put lotion in her hair um, from Joan's okay. dressing table, and she is doing a, an, is. A, an acceptance speech. Uh, and Joan goes, you're making fun of me? and then proceeds to cut off all of Christina's hair.
0: That's exactly what it was. I'm like, I knew the hair went... I didn't know what the cause of it was.
2: If you've ever been a little girl with uh, bubblegum stuck in your hair and had your mom angrily trying to brush it out, um, that scene comes with scalp pain built right in.
1: Now I'm just thinking sure about that episode of The Simpsons where Lisa gets bubblegum stuck in her hair and people just keep trying to put other substances <laughs> on top of it to get it to come out. Peanut butter. <laughs> Peanut butter and mm-hmm. all sorts. Of, I forget what else. It gets weird.
0: <laughs> Mine, I didn't get bubblegum. I got tree sap
1: tree sap. Mm.
0: Yeah, there's a I I really like climbing trees as a kid. Sure. Yeah, and that
1: that would be how that happens.
0: This was when we lived with my grandma, my my mima, and I climbed up the pine trees and me being I was I was really I was like 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize how high up I'd gotten. These were taller than the house. Oh god. Uh and <laughs> later my mom told me that the only reason she didn't like scream and shriek was because my mima was like don't say a word. <laughs> Would you come down? Would you come down now? And I was like, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I, uh, and I, had oh, I can't. I'm stuck to the tree. All,
0: <laughs> yeah, I was hanging on by my head.
2: <laughs> and then all of a sudden it let go. Yeah. And we heard a tuba of noises.
1: you <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and, and slide whistle. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was.
0: I also, when that scene happened, I was like, oh, man. Hmm. <laughs>
1: See, I never, I never got anything stuck in my hair, but I did try to cut my hair once oh, as a yeah. kid, and my mom was not thrilled.
2: If you are an older sibling and you didn't cut your younger sibling's hair at some point, get in the comments because I need to know what kind of monster you are. Oh no, no,
1: I, I, never I did because I, I had my own hair. No, yeah, so was... no, I specifically did not try to cut my sister's hair because I already cut my own and realized, oh, that was bad. So, I just...
0: <laughs> so th- th- this isn't <laughs> bullshit because that scene did more or less happen sure but i feel like the movie kind of stresses the physical abuse aspect and there are a handful of times where that happens but a lot of the abuse is mental Um, i wouldn't doubt that for a second especially later uh but let us continue yes please after joan breaks up with lawyer boyfriend greg you know the one that helped her find those babies that had fallen off a truck. That's
1: that scene was fucking ridiculous. Just the look on his face <laughs> at certain points.
2: I don't understand how Faye Dunaway got the Razzie for acting. <laughs> uh,
0: because she, uh, anyway, um so she cuts she cuts Greg out of all the photos. Um in the book, Christina notes that this is when she realized how quickly her mother could remove somebody from their lives. Yeah. Uh which which happened multiple times with a uh, different suitors in the book she refers to them as uncles which
1: well, mean, she does that in the movie as well uh, i i distinctly remember later whenever one of the, one of them is like like i'm not your uncle kid how right
0: right there's a bunch of vacations where it's like oh we're going to go vacation oh your uncle is happens to be here yep weird funny but, how that works specifically in this moment Christina notes that out of sight, out of mind is very much how her mother operates, which becomes super apparent when she goes off the school, which we'll get to. After MGM forces Joan to leave when she is dubbed box office poison, she goes home to hack apart her rose garden and chop down that goddamned fruit tree.
1: So did this actually happen? I feel I feel like there's debate about whether or not that really it, happened. It's, a,
0: it's kind of a ice cream twist of bullshit yeah. of truth and bullshit. Hmm. Two great um, tastes that go great together. Yeah, so MGM did kind of force her out of contract. Uh, well, sure. I know, I know that part. Yes, I'm more. I'm more referring to the uh, her her. Uh, Tina, Washington give me
2: the
1: axe, that Yeah, which the, like the Tina, give me the axe to uh, to Washington chopping down
0: the cherry tree moment. Right, like I kind of I kind of hated how much I enjoyed Faye Dunaway's delivery of that line, but like
2: <laughs> the timing is impeccable. It's yes. really good.
0: Um, so so yes and no. It there were no fruit trees involved, um, and it wasn't caused by her being upset about MGM kind of get it, giving her the boot. It was one of I forget what Christina refers to them in the book, but there were a number of occasions at night where Joan Crawford was. Later she would realize that Joan Crawford was very drunk. Sure, Joan would get a thought in her head. I'm assuming she would like perseverate on an issue and then to work through that, she would clean, or she would find somebody to target that frustration with. Sure. This particular night, it was the rose bush. So she got out, was out in the mi- in the backyard in the middle of the night, tearing this rosebush out. And then when that wasn't going quick enough, she woke up Christina and Christopher no. and I think some of the other staff to just like tear this Certainly Carol Ann. Why am I not remembering Carol Ann? How do
1: you not remember Carol Ann? The
2: woman is a wraith in the background of every scene in this movie. (laughs) Is she the
0: secretary type character? She's like the...
2: The head of the household. For okay. lack Of a better way to describe, like her. when
1: she, like when she gets the phone call that she got the role for Mildred Pierce, uh, it's Carol Ann that she hugs and celebrates with. Whenever the kids are being brought out to assist with the rose bush removal uh-huh. and, she, and tree chopping, it's Carol Ann who brings them out. Okay. When Christina later in life comes in, and finds mom drunk and passed out in her walking oh, closet, that- it's Carol Ann who helps first. her carry okay. her out. And when she's and when they're at the funeral, it's Carol it's Ann. One. Who okay. Comes back at the okay. end.
0: So the movie kind of streamlines a bunch of characters into Carol Ann. Yeah.
1: Um, which, yeah, I just like, really wanted to believe Carol Ann was just like a true blue oh, like
0: she was. She was absolutely a wraith. But <laughs> oh. <laughs> like she was the worst. Um oh, so but I wanted, th- I I see I thought I thought she was the best
1: in the movie. Like
2: it, there's something to be said for the staying power at
3: least.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know if they address this in the book, but, and I don't even remember if this is specifically Carol Ann, but that, the, the role that that person fills, um, was a fan, was a mega fan that sat out in front of the house. And then Joan Crawford was like, well, I might as well put you to work. (laughs) And then she stuck around. Whereas, you know, the agency ran out of maids. Uh, and that person kind of took on kind of a secretarial role. I turned my
1: parasocial relationship into a career.
0: Yeah. It's fucking weird. (laughs)
2: Isn't that? disturbing. It's very. It's, that's there that's were upsetting. T- there were
0: two. <laughs> she was the one that lasted. <laughs> oh my god. They both lasted a while. She just happened to last longer. <laughs> uh, so the Rosebush incident, that occurred. I don't remember Carol being there at that point. There was also a series of I forget what the what you would refer to the person who, like a governess type character. Yeah. There were a number of those. Some of them were The au pair. Yeah, like awful. Some of them were too, in Christina's opinion. They were like she either had ones that were sympathetic to her or ones that were not. There were ones that saw how Joan treated her and her brother and would, like, sneak them snacks and things. or like, make sure their punishment wasn't ridiculous.
1: Anyway... A, a real one.
0: The, the next day, the gardener showed up and quit. Um God damn it. <laughs> just imagine, like, groundskeeper Willie because Christina... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Christina describes a scene from like the kitchen or wherever she's eating breakfast and like hears him like walk by the window to like go towards the garden to do his work <laughs> and then just start swearing and cussing yes. up a storm oh. and uh these are his words not mine but fuck that crazy bitch I quit uh and, and he does and he does and you know what fair
1: I would not be thrilled if I came out to see that my my gardening work had just been obliterated in a drunk in, in a, a drunken fervor.
0: There's definitely been days where I've gone into work and the night person didn't do anything, or it's just like an absolute disaster, and I feel that urge to quit. Yeah. Uh, moving on. <laughs> in the movie's most notorious scene, Joan finds that Christina has put several expensive dresses on wire hangers. Joan dumps the contents of the closet out, then beats Christina with the hanger. She then drags Christina to the bathroom, where she is scolded for not cleaning what appears to be a perfectly spotless bathroom. Christina protests are met with her being hit with a can of Comet until it explodes.
2: I looked this up. Okay. I needed to know, is this Comet? It is not.
0: It's not Comet? Mm -hmm. So
2: Comet contains bleach, and so one of the things that I was deeply concerned about for she's, the child actor's sake, which first of all, like, with bleach. what what did we do in the scene to make it not bleach? Right, uh, and then powder? I and then I found in the course of that that what that is supposed to be is scouring powder, which is actually okay. a mineral. It's kind of like chalk, but not quite, or okay. like maybe a cross between chalk and salt. It's okay. mined out of the earth, and so it's not a chemical. Like it doesn't break okay. down, and uh, like it's not going to bleach anything. It's not even a soap. It's literally just like grit before we had scrubby sponges. Yeah, so the
1: fact that it's just being thrown in the air and landing on this child is not going to
0: outright, like...
2: She's not gonna get chemical burns. Yeah. But Breathing it in is
0: probably bad. She's
2: probably gonna have some lung damage, is kind of where I landed.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good for the actress. I'm glad that they didn't...
2: (laughs) I mean, I'm assuming it was cornstarch or something that was actually on the set. I could not find information on that.
0: Christina never mentions being, like, burned by it. She... She does... Say in in the book and in the movie, like, what am I, like, I'm, like, how am I supposed to clean this up? And she's like, figure it out or whatever. Yeah. And she spends the entirety of the night trying to clean up this chemical, well, not chemical, this powder that won't, it's like, how do you mix water in this chemical? And it's just kind of, it's it's too much. It's too much, Um, yeah. So she finally, like, gives up when dawn breaks. So the scene in which Joan... This is all one scene in the movie. In the book, it's two separate events. Um, The bathroom was one night. The closet incident was another. She was not beat. She was beat with the chemical. Or, Mm -hmm. god damn it. The The scouring powder. Scouring powder. Because it broke. That's how that happened. Right. She was not beat with the hanger.
1: In in the book, she's not beaten with the hanger? No.
0: She specifically said when seeing that in the movie that she hated that. Because that never happened.
1: To my understanding, there's a lot about the movie that Chris- that, uh, that Christina Crawford did not like. Correct.
2: Weirdly, super jazzed about the musical, which I need to know what? more.
0: What? When she was called it rem-
2: fabulous.
0: When did that come out?
2: It was an interview that I read for her like 80th birthday or something like that. So uh, oh. I don't know. I don't know exact dates, but she was super into the Broadway musical. That's bizarre. <laughs> about her childhood abuse. she.
0: She was very That's much amazing. a theater kid, so I'm not surprised that she was anyway. <laughs> uh, so for the movie, Faye Dunaway wanted to back away from how terrible the book makes Joan, whereas Christina wanted to like be closer to the book. Mm-hmm. And it kind of landed somewhere in the middle. Um, but what's really weird is that instead of Crawford, or sorry, instead of Faye Dunaway and Christina talking, they had their spouses. Yep. fighting on set Yep. Uh, it's it's not important it's just a fact that's weird um <laughs> that is very weird so the the incident did occur where joan went into the closet dumped everything out of christina's closet
1: because of wire hangers because yes. of
0: wire hangers what it, so joan's mother which would have been christina's grandmother yeah would knit i think knit them hangers that you know to protect whatever and this was for like hundreds of dresses and from christina's recollection it was a dress that they had like just purchased but hadn't had a chance to transfer on to the special hangers and when her mother saw that she dumped everything out she kind of like trashed the room and then christina was had to clean it up Um, and her brother offered to help because they stayed in the same room and I don't think they mentioned this in the movie, but he's wearing some like weird ass harness. Yeah. You know,
1: they don't mention it, but they do show it.
2: They show I mean, him getting clipped in and out of bed a bunch of times.
1: Yeah, because yeah, when he gets out of bed to offer to help, he's still he's still it's still yeah. on him. Which I think we 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 were talking about like what the hell is that? And I think you would, Becca, you had suggested that it was like an anti masturbation device. That was my
2: initial guess, but no, uh, he sleepwalked.
0: Oh, it was a sleepwalker. That,
2: was, that, um, that, is the, that is the later suggestion that I found. Heavy
0: finger quotes, sleepwalked. No, she didn't want him to get out of bed yeah. uh, and wake her up while she was hungover.
2: Fuck, fuck. Which clearly fuck. he could unhook. So yeah. I don't know how
0: <laughs> Yeah,
2: particularly effective well, that is would... beyond sending you a very clear message that mommy wants you in bed.
0: In, in, the, <laughs> That's book, about he, it. in the book, he can't. He specifically asks if Christina would want his help which she would then have to like unhook him. Yeah, but she's like, if m- mother were to catch us that way, it would be way worse than it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're staying right there, kid. Yeah. Yeesh. All right. So years later, this this skips like so much shit. Yeah. Um. One of my One of my probably the biggest issue I have with the movie is how sparknotesy it feels. It, it's, like
1: it, it is. It's sparknotes with whiplash. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So years later. Christina's caught kissing a boy in her private school. Woo! Joan pulls her from school during a puff piece, which, like, holy shit, they just skipped, like, the entire middle section of the book.
2: Well, they would have had to hire a third child actress for the middle part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They go from child to tween
0: to teen. Which is definitely not what I suggest doing later. Oh, wink. (laughs) Oh, no. But it jumps from that whole issue to there being a puff piece where Joan lies about Christina being expelled from Chadwick, which is a private school. Yes. Uh, Christina calls her out in front of the reporter. Joan slaps Ch- Christina, then tackles her to the ground, choking her until Joan's live-in assistant, which would be fucking Carol Caroline, and the reporters stop her.
1: Which, if I'm not mistaken, this is the moment where Becca finally said, oh, that's why this movie won a Razzie.
0: <laughs> oh, that moment? Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> that's... So, that's where I stopped going... This is a movie that I find compelling for many mm-hmm, reasons, yeah. and I'm not quite sure why it would be considered the worst movie to come out in a year. Yeah. To all of a sudden. Oh.
0: <laughs> you know what? Yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah all I just, say... we're
2: all just we're just acting now. <laughs> we're all just <laughs> acting.
0: Yeah, I would like at first I was watching it and I didn't hate it up front, even though I I thought it was a mistake to have it from Joan's point of view.
2: Oh, we're um, gonna have to talk about that afterwards. Yeah, oh this yes, stuff. oh yes.
0: Um <laughs> But like, I thought Faye's portrayal was a lot, but then reading the book, I'm like, okay, I could see where she would have read that and then tried to, like, go in that direction. And Joan Crawford, even in her own films, could go big, mm-hmm. I'll say. Okay. But when you get to, like, some early scenes and then that scene, I'm like, oh, this is garbage. Uh, I would say, like, for the first act of the film, I was invested. And then after that, I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of just start, like, passing out in the third act because I'm like, this is so <laughs> stupid and full of shit anyway <laughs> uh everything i just said is so so much bullshit i'm going to try to like really condense the stuff that they missed so there was an incident with a boy but it was a stable boy a literal stable boy oh so she wasn't the one working in the
1: stable he was
0: yeah did they make that a yeah, thing in they, the movie? They yeah they kind
2: of could... said that she, it was money problems with joan and so oh, she had to be no. there to work something
0: yeah, basically,
1: she became a work-study student, and she was working at the stable.
0: She did later, but not with the stable thing. There was, and I think she was, like, really young, like, maybe 11 young. Uh, between 11 and 13, and he was, like, 16, 17.
3: Yeah, yeah, It this is all Ew. very
0: Ew. uncomfortable. I'll kind of skim over it. Yeah, I don't like but, that. Like, the girls, they were all, like, kind of, like, oh, there's the stable boy. We'll, like, make out with you if you want. Um Like, he kisses girls. You just have to, like, go ask him. Yeah. Um, and she did. And they start to have intercourse when he's like, wait a minute. How old are you? She tells him. He's like,
3: nope.
0: nope.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I hate everything about this.
0: Yeah. He was, I, I guess, yeeted into the sun.
1: I'm pretty sure that's how prep schools handle these kind of things.
0: Yeah, but, like, she was the famous daughter, so she didn't get yeeted into the sun. Right. But she was threatened. I think she was taken out of that school, and that's when she was sent to Chadwick. And Chadwick is where she was further away from her mother, so she had a little bit more freedom. Yeah. And it's like, for the first time in the book, she actually starts to do well. And you're like, oh, thank God, because it's just been one of those stories of horrible thing after horrible thing happening to this character. Well, it's human beings person yeah um, and i don't personally enjoy those books so she like i think she joins the s- is she the swim team or the track team anyway she's on some kind of uh sports, sports team she sportses she sportses and she does really well and she like connects with her coach her female coach and Good. she starts doing like really well in class she makes some friends the the chadwicks who run the school start to basically be her parents so she starts
1: to, she starts to build a more of a social net and she yeah. has positive relationships with with like mentor figures mm-hmm.
0: and whatnot and i this is why i hate that they didn't put this into the movie because it's so important to who she is as a person mm-hmm. that you see her start to develop as an individual that she has supportive friends and like they were they were older so they or more like grandfather grandfather grandmother of sure sure um
1: I imagine it's easier for that surrogate relationship to happen under those circumstances. Yeah, given her relationship with her mom being that as close as it is,
0: and well, especially because her mother didn't let her come home for holidays, hmm. so she would spend all her holidays with the Chadwicks, and then that ended when her mother her mother would like do shit like she would call and like. <sighs> all right, well, I'm just going to say this is going to come out horribly. Like the entire time I'm reading the book, I'm like, why is Christina trying to like make a relationship with her mother? Because it continues. Even after every horrible thing that happens, she continues to try to make a relationship through with her pretty much up until Joan Crawford dies. And I know like logically in my brain, I'm like, she's trying to have a relationship with her mother. It's yeah. like, it's, <sighs> So I don't, I don't have that relationship with my father. Like I cut him off entirely, yeah. And I do not regret that at all. We didn't quite have the same thing going on with Christina and her mom, and that's why. Like your your
1: dad wasn't like the quintessential flapper. (laughs) God damn it, Joe!
3: Joe,
0: I want to thank you for putting that image in my head. (laughs) That that was worth years of therapy. (laughs) Oh my. So much, but to see this like stout red <laughs> asshole, just like, <laughs> like like looking like one of those one of those like flabby sad fish that the big fat like nose, yeah, like a, like a blobfish expression <laughs> with this like tube flapper dress. <laughs> <Mwah>. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Anyway, because of that, it's, I, there was moments in the book where I'm I definitely noticed I was being triggered. By what Joan was doing to her daughter, which is why mm-hmm. I wanted to. Uh, when we talk about narcissism later, I will listen. It might be hard for me to empathize with Joan.
2: I think that's an important distinction that we're gonna talk about. Yeah. So uh, I like I already have
0: great. I have, have okay.
2: story based thoughts about this. Cool, cool, cool. So. Uh,
0: so I'm not being a dick because it's funny mostly. Uh, <laughs>
2: I mean, I will say from the point of view of the abused, Mm -hmm. often your abuser will love-bomb you, right? So, like, we don't see this in the movie. We probably don't see it in the book. I don't know. But that probably would make a very interesting copy, I'm, I'm guessing. But, like, often with these sort of cyclical relationships, there's a lot of you made me be mean to you, mm-hmm. but also I love you so much. Like, let me take care of you. That happens in other ways at other times. Um, I and think so we kind
1: of get that vibe in the movie a little bit.
2: Yeah. For example, like the big birthday party yeah. that gets thrown mm-hmm. where Christina has every little girl's dream birthday party. Mm-hmm. And then it's followed by an instance of yeah. deprivation and that sort of hot and cold cycling mm-hmm tends to intermittently reinforce people which is the strongest way of making someone just persist in pursuing a goal forever okay.
0: yeah the hot and cold was definitely there after she had graduated well she didn't graduate college but like after her college years mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of that mm-hmm. when she was at Chadwick less so like she wouldn't Joan wouldn't send her money would like send her not even enough money to get food and clothing She's, there's a number of times where she's like, "Yeah, mom didn't really understand money. She would like spend thousands and thousands of dollars on these parties, but then not send me enough money to get like underpants." Yeah, um, which I think is probably is that an issue. Why with-
2: the cameraman focused in so much on those white underpants every single time we see teenage Christina?
0: I'm gonna go with you betcha. There was um, a heavy focus on that. Yeah. I- I wonder I don't if know. I started to zone out at that point. Probably.
2: It deeply upsets me how much cameras love teenage girls underpants in movies that have nothing to do with being interested in teenage girls underpants. Wait, see,
1: that was the day Woody Allen
0: walked onto set. And I guess.
1: Was just...
0: So the, the director for this film is Frank Perry, which is yeah. bizarre because I went to school with a Frank Perry who is... That's weird. Not this person.
1: <laughs> I, I would imagine not.
0: That would, um, uh, Unless he's a Benjamin Button? Oh, maybe I'll have to slap him around and make sure he never becomes that Frank Perry.
2: So the director of this film was aging backwards.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And he (laughs) had done another film and I've I've wanted to hunt it down. but It's kind of like lost media called The Last Summer or something like that. I think I remember you mentioning this. It's about a bunch of teens who have like a summer. They like become friends over the summer. Have you heard of this film?
2: I read the most in-depth summary of this because the one of the women in it grows up to be Cora in Once Upon a Time, the Disney soap opera.
0: Oh God, really? <laughs> this is a weird series of connections.
2: So I was like on Wikipedia, falling mm-hmm. down a rabbit hole like you do about this yeah. terrible show, and I I read a deep summary okay. of this. Teens are inherently rapists. Uh, yeah, movie. it's a
0: very problematic. It's it's on like the list of like disturbing films. Type dealie do. Sure. So I guess what I'm saying is he has a history of sexualizing teens.
2: He doesn't have a very bright view of gender relations.
0: No.
1: Nope. Just a very detailed view of underpants.
2: Extremely. Yep.
0: So Christina's time with Chadwick ends when Joan asks her for her Christmas list for like to send out Christmas cards. And Christina's like, Ma, it's you know, August or, you know, whatever may. And that starts a fight that builds and builds and builds and builds builds until Christina is pulled from Chadwick and sent, basically sent to the nunnery. Like the, it's, it's not, but it is. I
1: remember that scene where she's like, where she, she's being like told what to expect by like the mother superior or whatever. And just like every moment it was like, Oh, I don't leave this place. I don't get visitors yeah. to this place. Mom can't come here. There's no telephones or calls or letters. I'm completely yeah. cut off from her.
0: That entire family and friends <gasps> set, network. That, well,
2: so this is the problem, right? We cut someone off from their abuser. We also cut them off from right. everybody else yeah. uh, who could help yeah. them heal, uh, yeah. and we subject them to some fun religious abuse.
1: Yes. Yeah. That and that's you, you mean you mean the church has done bad things.
2: Turns out a couple.
0: We'll just get more into is. that right now. Yes. Uh, so in the movie, um, Joan sends Christina to Ridge Sacred Heart Academy, uh, which, as you just said, she's not allowed any contact with the outside world. Yes. Uh, what they don't mention, it's less bullshit, more omission. Christina nearly dies.
1: Oh, that's so, a hell of an omission.
0: Yeah. So I, and I, fuck, we need to, um, so the other thing they fucked up about Christina being choked. So that, that did happen. Um, and it was because it was spe- specifically because like she was taken out of Chadwick and Joan's like, oh, it's because you failed out. And the incident didn't, the assault did not happen in front of the reporter. Cause I would no fucking not. way would it. Like that's the whole point of Joan having Christina is good PR. Which is why According she had to... According
2: to a narrative of this whole thing.
0: I believe it, but we'll get to it.
2: Well, That is one interpretation of the facts.
0: Yeah. Yes. So, the attack doesn't happen until they get home, and Christina says something like, "Well, blah, 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 that's what you did, and causes her to snap, and she tries to kill her. She, like, Christina starts to black out. Oof. And it is Carol Sue, Luann, whatever the fuck her name is. Carol Ann. Yeah. Her... <laughs> Jodie Foster uh,
2: <laughs> I just have an image of Luann from King of the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you know what? She probably would have helped. Oh, this it's situation. gonna be okay. <laughs> 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 uh, uh After that, you'll have to tell me if this is the movie or not. God, I really should have rewatched this, but I, I it. did it's not fine. want yeah, to. Just go for it. So... Joan is pulled away from killing her daughter. Good. Christina goes up to her room to not be near her mother. uh, And she's woken in the middle of the night by, I don't know what it would be called, but essentially the people that decide whether or not you go to juvenile detention. Mm -hmm. Is that in the movie? No. No. So the person, the agent or whatever, sends Joan from the room. And Christina's like, that's like the first time I remember mom being sent from the room by anybody so that he can hear her side of the story sure. Um, and he's like well two things one you very physically obviously were the person that was attacked because
1: uh, I'm sure handprints, like handprints and, and, yeah, and, and, all and all the thing. F- yeah all those effects
0: um, and I believe what you're saying two it's 1950 whatever it doesn't matter if your mother calls us again I have to take you so don't make her mad and that made me want to vote well so it was like that happened and then she was then she was sent to flint ridge yeah so it was like her mother almost killed her she can't upset her mother again or she's sent off to whatever that means she's taken away from her friends and it's like made family and what she does is she stops eating entirely
1: and thus she almost dies at the convent
0: and she's not allowed to come home over christmas so it's just her and the nuns and the nuns like pray over her for several days trying to is that
1: not medically prudent
0: uh yeah i mean it worked it didn't work <laughs> <laughs> she just she finally like made herself get up and oh, eat.
1: this is why every garden i've tried to grow fails
0: <laughs> yeah so that whole chunk there is not really in the movie and i wonder why yeah especially with fey wanting to not have joan look like an absolute fucking monster Anyway, she graduates Flint Ridge and goes to CMU.
1: Yes. Wait, CMU? Really? Yes. Yes. Uh, Only
0: for, I think, a year-ish. Yeah. But yeah, she went to CMU for theater. Neat. She bitches about how cold it is in Pittsburgh. And you know what? Yes.
1: You're right. (laughs) It it it, it gets a bit nippy. Especially
0: growing up in California your old life. I bet you you probably wouldn't like it in pittsburgh the winter i don't and i've lived here my whole fucking life <laughs> so in that time and because this movie is about joan and not her child uh joan marries alfred Steele, ceo of pepsi cola she moves to <laughs> new york city
1: <laughs> she, she she sure does pally
0: and uh helps create the pepsi generation because now they had a movie star to put in all their commercials and because boomers wanted to not be their parents who drank coca-cola they create the Pepsi generation. You got that right, Pally. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Will do, Pally. Great. <laughs> so it's not
2: an interesting part of the movie. It's, it's not, an interesting- not. Also, Pally. He did call everyone Pally. It was odd.
0: Pally. I, I will say that in the book, the uh, like one of the few people that everyone agrees is pretty. Nice is is that guy is that guy
1: Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I'm not surprised. He, but like,
0: my God, what an uninteresting character in the film. Yeah. Well, he's only she only married him for three years before he dies. Yeah. um And they sure went right and through. And that's where we years.
2: go true crime, everybody. This is now Joan Crawford is in my, no. <laughs> well,
0: I was about to go there. Um, so it's one of the things that's hinted at in the book that I would not say is true is that Joan may have had a hand in her husband's death, Christina. I. I'm on your side for, like, 98% of this, but... You, Come on. You, your mom was a lot of things. I don't think she pushed this man down the steps to kill him. He had, like, a heart attack or something. Something heart-related. So, in
1: the movie, they cut pretty much from him pushing back on her about, like, the apartment that they're building mm-hmm.
0: to, he's dead. In the book, they don't really cover anything that would need to be in the movie. Like, oh, oh, there is the one moment where... So they go on vacation, and it's, like, the first time that is allowed to kind of, like, be back around her mother after everything that happened in high school. Yeah. And, and she's, like, trying to mend the relationship, and it's kind of working because her mother's on a hive because she's just gotten married to a guy that's <laughs> fucking loaded. Sure. And Alf- Alfred is actually a pretty decent dude. And, like, spends time with the kids. And the twins are in there somewhere. I don't even know where they came from. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Honestly, they should probably just, like, not be mentioned for their own sake. Uh, Can we hold
1: for just a moment? I desperately need to use the restroom.
0: Yeah. Act 1's taking way longer than I thought it would. It's
1: taking an immensely long time. Yes. Um, I really need to. Yep. Yeah.
0: And we're breaking. Uh, Welcome back. Last we spoke, many years ago.
2: I've missed you both so much.
0: (laughs) Joan had married Alfred Steele, who everyone kind of was like... Did mom. you say I had married Alfred Steele?
2: Joan had married...
0: Oh, I heard Joe. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I if could... you're
2: married, we have some stuff to talk about at home. Yeah, I yeah, agree. But if you were
0: married to, jo- uh, to Alfred, Alfred Steele. Steele, you could pay off your loans.
2: Also, yeah, he's dead boy. now, so I guess that doesn't really cause a problem for us.
0: True, but why do I still have loans? <laughs> anyway... Um, so there's an incident where Alfred and Joan or Alfred and uh, Christina were like hanging out in the pool and Joan wasn't there with them. And then saw that they were like being civil with one another and freaked the fuck out. Hmm. And Christina was never allowed to be alone with Alfred ag- again.
2: She's like, I did that movie. I was in it. I saw
3: it yeah.
0: happen. Yeah. there's a So two of the movies that... that um I watched in preparation for this was Mildred Pierce and Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and the parallels between what happened in those movies and Joan's actual life are creepily uh there. Like uh in Mildred Pierce spoilers for Mildred Pierce came out in the forties. Um <laughs> her daughter has an affair with her husband. I'm trying I was trying to think of if it, it was a third or fourth husband. Yeah. Um, and that was a concern that apparently Joan had with her daughter and husband, Alfred Seal. Which was not going to happen from what I understood. It was um, not even on the table.
2: Obviously, ascribing motivations to someone who is currently dead and whom I never knew is weird. But given how concerned Joan was with tabloid coverage mm-hmm. and how hungry tabloids were to cover her, mm, okay. I can also see, and especially how concerned Joan was with appearances I can see how having done a movie about how you, her stepdaughter seduced her husband yeah. uh even the appearance of having her step or having her daughter and her husband mm-hmm. be friendly would be very alarming to Joan even if she didn't think anything would come of it. Yeah, I suppose I could see
1: that. I could uh, see that.
2: It's I... difficult to it mm-hmm. None of us can read her mind. Either way, it's a shitty thing to do.
0: Let's go even darker with it. Uh <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> So there's a moment early in the book mm-hmm. where Joan is trying to confide in Christina, who's like eight, about some of the stuff that had happened to Joan when she was a, a child.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Christina's like way too young for it. It goes over her head. And yeah. she she just noticed that like Joan was disappointed that she couldn't have this moment with her daughter. Uh, well, she could have waited a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, give it a couple of years. Like you can still have a relationship. It, it, that's neither here nor there. But it it's very probable that. Joan was sexually assaulted by her father Her father growing up, and I think maybe her uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a very rough relationship with the men in her family and distanced herself from her, her entire family uh, eventually, um, including her mother that Christina had grown up. It was one of the people that Joan cut out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of baggage there that I could see motivating her, but also Christina really needed a father figure <laughs> Anyway, the movie then shows Joan yelling at a bunch of Pepsi executives, which, in all likelihood, did not happen. Oh, it was a great scene, Oh, but it's so though. good to watch. Um, and I, I hate talking well of, like, a major corporation, but <laughs> after Alfred died, the execs were all, like, super nice to, jo- to uh, Christina. Like, they even went to her shows. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, Joan didn't go. But the executives did. I just imagine she's the, like just the Pepsi execs, just right? These like out three, three or shows. four copy and paste exact suits, just like very was like all clapping in unison. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's fucking weird.
1: It is, but it's also like kind of touching. Yeah. I'm
0: gonna try
2: and not ascribe any creepy intentions there. I don't
0: think there were because she definitely mentions anytime there was. I,
1: I want to uh, fair, yeah. If she, I mean, if she's straightforward about that then yeah like i want i want to believe there weren't any uh there wasn't any creepiness or like ulterior motives there Here, here's I sure what there yeah
0: here's what it was and this is fact they just really loved theater
2: <laughs> there we go <laughs> they were <laughs> they all went to the opening of the broadway show mommy yeah. dear yeah.
0: <laughs> and loved it
2: <laughs> they, they um, bought souvenir t-shirts
0: <laughs> <laughs> that they wore underneath their suits
1: yes yes absolutely
0: Oh, anyway, she dies. Um,
1: <laughs> Segways are weird.
2: <laughs> uh, not before taking over her daughter's soap I, opera. You're oh, right.
0: You're right. That is yeah, important. Yeah, we have to yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that oh, was. Oh, we're oh, oh, almost oh. to the part where she dies. So Christina gets really sick. She has. I want to say ovarian. She has, like, an ovar- uh, uh, a tumor on one of her ovaries. Like um, an ovarian cyst.
1: It's but- a cyst
2: that ruptures yeah. from what I read in
1: Wikipedia, okay. which could be wrong. but Which I know people who have had that happen, and it fucking sucks.
0: Yeah. We don't need to go into, like, th- the long road that it took for yeah. her to, like, nearly die. But at the time, yeah. Christina was doing pretty well. She was on a soap opera. Yes. And as soap operas do, um, she really couldn't miss too many episodes without being written out. Because her, uh, her
1: character was pretty important,
0: from my understanding, yes. However, the I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna guess showrunner, and her were, were cool and It was like, "Do what you need to do to not die because yeah. you almost died. Don't do that."
1: And, yeah, and the way the movie frames it is that it's Joan who asks. I think they frame her as a producer, uh, who asks like like did like how much time does she have to get better? Is she is her job at risk? And, it was
0: gonna be. A, a bit like it was gonna be more than like four or five episodes
1: so the,
2: the movie portrays joan as sort of putting herself in between this producer and christina and planting this idea
0: yeah which is not terribly different from what happened but the motives could have been eh. so let me let, let me talk about it. This was one of the moments where like Christina and Joan had actually formed somewhat of a relationship at that point. They had had a really rocky time when Christina had first gone into Hollywood um, and was trying to get her start. Joan blocked her a number of times, but eventually they started to have a relationship. Joan's career was pretty much done at that point. So Joan did speak with one of the producers about taking over Christina's role until she got better. Which... Christina was very upset about the showrunner, who was her friend, was very upset about it. But it was kind of like, this is my boss's boss. I can't do anything about it. So, Joan did go on and was noticeably intoxicated. Uh, I was was going to ask,
1: was she as hammered as she appeared to be in the film?
0: Uh, She was more hammered, from what I understand. Because I think she did two episodes, and they're like, actually, we're good.
1: Actually, we'll wait for Christina.
0: Yeah. Uh, Which Christina did eventually go back on the show, but at that point like her, she describes it as her believability in the character was ruptured Uh, and the audience kind of didn't like trust that character anymore. That Uh, sucks. So she slowly was written out and then a different company bought the show and they were just like, and then she fucking dies. (laughs) So Joan dies uh, of cancer in 1977, which is very sad, except for it's Joan Crawford and I don't have a lot of Empathy for her. Christina and Christopher learn that she is, dis- she has disinherited them from her $2 million estate. Her will, citing, quote, reasons which are no- well known to them, end quote.
1: It's literally they know what they did.
0: Yeah. Uh, Christopher says their mother has the last word as usual. Christina says, does, does she? The end.
1: And they end on the Creepiest fade out in cinematic history.
0: They left out so 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 much. Uh,
1: did, did did you actually sit and watch the credits for any any meaningful amount of time, Jack?
2: Her face is still faintly visible oh, underneath yeah, yeah, yeah. the blackout.
1: Like, like, you, like you can still see like the shine like of her eye.
2: One of the shine <laughs> of one of her tear and on her lip for so long.
1: Like it never
0: fully goes away. I gotta ask because that is that uh, that line of dialogue. Does she is not in the book? What the fuck was that supposed to mean? Oh, it, she she's foreshadowing. Like she, I'm gonna I'm gonna, gonna, gonna write a go write a book, book.
2: and then I'll have the last oh, word.
0: Yeah. However, that's so fucking stupid. So I don't know.
2: <laughs> I don't know if the book touches on this at all. But I did read from some biographers that. Christina was working on this book before her mother died. And so it's entirely possible that what Joan means oh. when she says for reasons that are known to you
0: she's already aware that the book's is, being written.
2: You're oh. writing a fucking tell all about me.
1: Okay, that that could very well
0: be the case. Okay.
2: It's possible that's not true. I I don't personally know Christina but,
0: Crawford. But why write Christopher out of it? Uh I, don't know. I mean know, they had a really bad relationship. I uh, but.
2: I am assuming that in the way that many paranoid and abusive people see the world, Christina and Christopher are in it together. Ah, I see. Yeah.
1: Uh, Which... And I assume she just forgot about the twins and they weren't even in the world <laughs> well, to begin with.
2: So the twins have vocally twins, come out and said they don't agree with Christina's account of things. The oh. twins are very vocally yeah i guess supportive of their mother is the only way i can put it like they 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 claim that things were not the way that christina remembers them which if you're not the scapegoat child can be your experience in a household even if things aren't very good for other children in your household
0: my thought behind that is they were wee babes for most of christina and christopher's
1: early childhood so they, have, they would have no recollection yeah. of like the foundations of, um, a lot of what happened
0: correct and then when christina was in boarding school she wasn't at the house when the shit was happening it was all either done by letter or phone call most time letter
1: mm-hmm. if only somebody had written like a book that they could reference to like, get, to, like learn about these things. Yeah.
0: i'm not gonna say they're completely full of shit but i'm also don't care what they have to say <laughs> being honest
2: their experiences are valid. Mm-hmm. It's possible that they didn't experience their mother in the way that Christina did. Yeah. It is concerning to see people vocally dismiss the experiences of someone who is claiming to have been abused.
0: Yeah. <laughs> are you reading the however? I was waiting for your however. No,
2: that's... I, like, I think that it's, was the however. Oh, okay. It, all of those things are true. Okay. It's possible that they didn't experience this. It's pretty pretty upsetting to see them fully dismiss...
1: Well, it's I have that Christina not, experience. It's sure. also not an unheard of thing for a parent to like not approach things the same way for all of their children. True.
0: I've also seen, like, fairly recently, with some of our friends who've had their parents pass away, or even parents whose grandparents have passed away, kind of rewrite who they are post mortem to make them look better it does happen yeah. uh i don't think anybody's watching um yeah yes very recently i've seen somebody whose parent uh is on death's door and i'm like your memory of who that person is is pretty rose colored because i've only known them as a piece of shit i don't say I'm Not saying that's what's happening in this
2: can we put a pin in that? Because I want to come back yet? to it. Can we like put a... We're, there's a little chalk mark hanging above my head where we're talking about different people remembering an abusive person.
0: Sure. Joe, we'll can come you back remember to it, that? Because I won't. Remember. I will do my best. Right. <laughs> so uh, as far as like what did and didn't happen in the movie, one real quick thing I want to touch on and then we'll do some... The yes. They left out so much of Christopher, which makes sense for the length of the movie.
1: I was literally asking for like a good 40 minutes, like, where the hell is Christopher? <laughs>
2: I was like, I don't know. They left him strapped in bed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. He's just up there not jerking it.
0: Just just an adult sized <laughs> child. <laughs> so he, he kind of does like drop in and out of the book as well, which makes sense because it's Christina's point of view and she's sure. not home. So Chris's response to the abuse was different than her own. He became, for lack of a better word, a ruffian, a hooligan, uh, a hooligan. You know what, not the lack of a better word, the best word. <laughs> <laughs> and he eventually, through a series of court battles, is, I think the word is emancipated yep. from her Emancipated mother. is the word, yep. yeah. And Christina had a heavy hand in that, and that was where Joan and her relationship had ended for a long time.
2: So that might also be the you-know-why.
1: That might, oh, that might <laughs> yeah. be at least be Christopher's you-know-why. Yeah. But...
0: Yeah. Uh, and I wanna say Christopher didn't do very well after the whole thing. I think he ended up falling into alcoholism himself. Um Man a therapy pretty, as they called it back then. Right, a man's therapy. <laughs> but...
2: <laughs> I can't I can't respond to that. We're uh, on the internet. Uh, I can't I'm not allowed to have that any opinions
1: about that. We're also two men who are in legitimate therapy. Yeah, we're both in legitimate <laughs> yeah, therapy.
0: <just laughs> Having tried both man's therapy and legal therapy, can't <laughs> say <laughs> the actual therapy worked way better. Much better, yeah. I, Just not as fun to say.
2: My experience with man's therapy did involve a lot of vomiting and smeared makeup. Uh, so yeah. I do think, you know, there was some kind of like hormonal mismatch. The boobs got in the. I'm not mm. sure, but. Oh,
0: I also had smeared makeup. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lordy. Hey, um, let's talk about some stats because what? this movie sure did win a bunch of them. So this did happen while the stinkers were around the stinkers stinkers bad movie awards uh it won worst picture hashtag bring back the stinkers hashtag bring back the stinkers hashtag uh, the razzled sponsored stinkers i don't (laughs) know i just want to i want to run the stinkers i want to run the stinkers so bad (laughs) just (laughs) so one worst, worst picture as well as worst actress worst screenplay which i'm going to read the names because they deserve to be held responsible yes robert Getchell, Tracy, Hotchin, Frank Perry, and Frank Yablans. Yablans, yeah, uh, based off of the memoir by Christina Crawford. It was nominated for worst director and worst supporting actress, but did not win.
1: So, if I'm not mistaken, did they nominate the little girl who played young Christina?
0: I thought it was the older one. The actress is Diana Scarwid. Okay, I would hope they wouldn't nominate the child actress. Well, because I
1: think the Razzies did. God yeah. damn it, Razzies. Of
0: course they of did. Of course they
1: fucking did, yeah. <sighs> Which I think I think is uh, com- uh, completely... I, I think that's terrible because A, child actor, uh-huh. what are you doing? And B, she was good.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I thought had no she problem was... with her performance. Yeah. Even the older actress... I mean, she wasn't great, but she wasn't like Razzie-worthy. No. I mean, she only... <laughs> She had that script to work with. You can only do so much.
2: I have to be honest. I thought her performance was a lot worse than face. But
1: really? Yeah. Okay. I think okay. I would agree with you, honestly. Like, I, think, I, think it's, I think she was way too monotone, I think, for a lot of what was happening and a lot of the emotion that was supposed to be conveyed in those scenes, or she was trying to convey in those scenes.
0: As I may have been asleep through part of her section, I have to defer to your expertise.
2: <laughs> I don't know how to put this in a way that doesn't sound like I'm being mean.
0: You can whisper it to me, and then I'll say it.
2: (laughs) So, Faye Dunaway played a horrendous character without fear. Yes. She approached every scene where she was going to be doing something fully fucking unhinged with all of her being. There are a couple of times where you see a little bit of separation between her and the material, but most of this movie, she is embodying it. I feel like with Christina... (laughs) There were several times where I saw the actress trying to deliver lines rather than a daughter responding to a mother. Yes,
0: sure. I I agree. The reason her performance didn't clang for me, the parts that I didn't sleep through, was because her performance was kind of like what I would expect from that era. Yeah. That's not to say it was good. That's just to say that it. Didn't bother me so much that I was like, "You deserve a resi." Maybe, maybe acting as a practice has
1: uh, has has evolved a little bit. Yeah, a little bit since then. Um, I you mean an additional
2: forty years of cameras getting closer and closer to faces might have changed things. We're
0: gonna shoot it all in wide, (laughs) like it's a play. (sighs) Um, we'll we'll get into this when we fix it. Fuck me. Uh, this is a reference to Diana the musical the winner of last year's Razzie award which shouldn't have been ra- nominated because it's not even a fucking movie. Um, I loved
2: it. I want to hijack this podcast and talk about the costumes forever. Let's
0: <laughs> never do that. Uh
1: I, I will say uh real this is a real quick aside. I was thrilled that we got to bring that up for a moment in our, in our guest spot with the Moose Lounge the other day <laughs> yeah. and just like getting to getting to say like, well, unless you guys are really into train wreck musicals, I would say you probably don't need to watch it and just watch right. it, watching Jeff just go mm-mm. <laughs> no, just shake his head no yeah. while smoking a cigar, just yeah. like no, that ain't me. He's <laughs> like, no, it sure ain't, right,
0: bud. While sipping some man's therapy. <laughs> uh,
1: thanks for having us on again, guys. That was fun, was
0: delightful. Um, I also have thoughts on Faye's performance, which yeah, we'll get to later. Yeah, so let's cover the Rotten Tomatoes score.
1: Do we want to talk about what Razzies? The the um, we will. Okay, yeah. you just really wanted to talk about the stinkers.
0: Yeah, I just want to get those out. Like, I like them because I want to run them. Yes. Um, what do you think the general Rotten Tomato score is for this? If you, if you don't already know,
2: I don't trust the populace. So uh,
0: <laughs> never should. <laughs>
2: Honestly, twenty percent.
0: General is actually forty-nine. So
1: so remem- America,
2: you've come through for Rem- me. Remember,
1: this is the critic score.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and this is over time. Yes. when this has become a little bit more of a cult film for whatever fucking reason which we'll because also get to people think
2: it's funny it's not funny i it's
0: agree this was a very upsetting film yeah i don't know why anyone finds this fucking funny good lord
2: we'll talk about it we'll talk yeah. about
0: it uh, uh the it- audience word or audience score sorry i
2: i don't want to guess
1: <laughs> um i i don't know what it is so i'm i'm going to say uh 65 72. Fuck. God, I I debated for a second there whether or not to say 69, and I would have been closer. Yeah.
0: Always go with your gut. Um, Nice. (laughs) IMDB out of 10. Mm.
1: I'm willing to bet this is closer to a 6. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm
0: saying. 6.6. All right. I would personally give it a flat 5. I think that's more reasonable. I think people have kind of accepted this as, like, oh, that's one of those, like, old movies that we accept as being, like, a fun old movie, even though we're not thinking about it critically in any way whatsoever. It's, or it's... the sick motherfuckers who watch it as, like, it's Rocky Horror.
1: That blows my fucking mind. How is this in a class of movies with Rocky Horror and The Room? No. So you
2: have to remember that Joan Crawford was a gay icon.
1: Yes. Huh. She... That.
2: she was actually... As outwardly supportive of gay people as a p- actress in the f- 30s and 40s could possibly be and still have a career.
0: Oh, Joan. Okay, yes, yeah. yes. I, th- I misheard you. I thought you said Faye. No, Joan. Uh, yes, very much was it. Yeah, gay, and huh.
2: so you have a movie where someone is turning in what could be interpreted as a very camp performance, mm, sure, mm-hmm. with some very draggy makeup uh mm. screaming about the maintenance of garments
0: uh how did i not put this together <laughs> i still I was, don't like uh, it
1: i was too, i was too just taken aback by the just the sheer horror of what was happening like let's
0: sh- laugh at child abuse yeah, yeah.
2: and i think we can i again we can talk about later why mm. i think different audiences probably experience this movie very differently
0: yeah i agree um let's move on to the razzie awards in 1982, at the second annual Golden Raspberry Awards, Mommy Dearest was nominated for nine Golden Raspberries. It won five. Uh, it won Worst Picture, obviously. It tied for Worst Actress, Fade uh, White* with uh, Bo Derek for Tarzan, the Ape Man, as Jane Parker. Um, it was a movie oh, right. I didn't even know existed until just now.
1: I think I knew that existed. I just didn't I, I didn't know anything about it.
0: I, that Bo Derek plays Jane? I had no idea. Um, it seems
1: like a thing Bo Derek would do.
0: It won Worst Supporting Actor, Steve Forrest, for his role as Greg Savitt. Which... Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it won Worst Supporting Actress for Diana Scarwood, who was the adult Christina. Yes. It won for Worst Screenplay, which we've already called those people out. Yes. You know you did. Um,
1: <laughs> and you've been written out of my will. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's the one that I think we could all agree is richly, richly deserved. Yeah. Worst picture of the decade in '89. I don't know if that. Ooh, nice.
1: Oh yeah, it does win some uh, some further awards at later Razzies nice. as they start getting into like of the decade, of the century, things of that nature. I do remember seeing some of that stuff. And they did nominate, they, Mara did, nom- Hobel. they did, Mara Hobel, the, the, oh, that's the kid, so gross. they As nominated, the they, they nominated her for Worst Supporting Actress and Worst New Star. Which, Ew. oh, guys. the a child, for fuck's sake. This is sake. what happens
2: when you let the public react to a bad thing. Yeah, it's... who let us
1: do it? Wait, that wasn't us. <laughs> Hold on.
0: So, what I'm just learning is that the Razzies have always been kind of gross.
1: Like, from the get-go, basically. <laughs> So let's go to break. Do you ever wonder what would happen if, well, if... If you give a dad a podcast. I'm what you call a nerdy fan. I nerd out at this stuff. Hardcore. You'll hear me talk about anime on here. You'll hear me talk about Power Rangers. You'll hear me talk about wrestling on here.
3: Okay. I
0: had an axe handle with a twisted T on it. <laughs> It <laughs> right after that Twisted Tea video went viral. And man, they went out and grabbed it and smacked a dude in the head with it. It was
1: so... That's great. I'd like to of this podcast as a nostalgia moment for me. It's a show where I can talk about whatever I want.
0: I'm a, I'm a human and animal chiropractor. There was a picture of me. It looked like I was on the side of a ramen box over in <laughs> China. But So I took my kids with me to Comic-Con. I thought that was really cool.
1: I don't know if my wife listen to this podcast. We'll cut that part out. <laughs> uh, you won't. I mean, like, And then Robert said this. <laughs> if you give a dad a podcast. Available now on all podcasting platforms.
0: Hey, welcome back. You're still here. We're still here. Let's talk about Faye Dunaway.
1: Let's talk about Faye Dunaway. Let's talk about Faye Dunaway.
0: So, let's talk about... What worked for Mommy Dearest with the cast?
2: Like I said, I think, I think Faye Dunaway's performance is fearless in a way that many actors wouldn't have been able to achieve. And I think that that is a direct line to why she regrets doing this movie.
0: I was just going to bring up that this is the only performance that she regrets giving.
2: She's said that she wishes the director had reined her in,
0: okay, and I think mm. that would have
2: been the wrong choice for the story that they were ostensibly trying to tell i We'll get to story problems yeah. later, yeah, but i like frankly, I think Faye Dunaway's performance is not
0: the problem with this movie. I would agree with that. I also agree. I think if she had a script and a director that worked around her performance or just worked in general. Then sh- this would have been a performance that people remember for her in a in a good way, I guess. They do yes. remember it for her, but I liked her performance, and everyone else was
1: fine. A lot. I would say the majority of the rest of the cast were fine. Yeah.
2: I would say Mara Hobel, the young the, Christina. The I young
1: Christina. Was- I, yeah, she was
0: good. I was. Mean, I-
2: Notably good for a child actor, yeah. especially in that time. Yes.
0: Yes. I, I absolutely agree with that. Before we started growing child actors in a cabbage patch. Yes. Pretty good.
1: Yes. Story. Is that where we got the Stranger Things kids from?
0: Yeah. some a pumpkin patch, but yeah. Oh,
1: interesting. No, that's actually appropriate.
2: This movie is trying to tell two stories.
1: Yeah.
0: But what would work for the story?
2: Oh, um... <laughs> The two stories that it's trying to tell are both very compelling. And I think they're in like I think it does and it it makes an attempt to do each one justice.
1: An attempt was made.
0: I think that so reading the book, I was I was into it. Uh I it was kind of a I can't look away into it, but I was into it.
1: Oh something like this, yeah. You're not gonna get away from like a train wreck aspect
0: yeah. of it. And watching a bunch of the, like, DVD extras about who Drone Crawford was, that was all very interesting as well. Like, she has an interesting life. Mm -hmm. So, yes, scene by scene, there were interesting narrative portions.
2: I also think that the pacing of the first half felt like it was starting to do something interesting, because it was so breakneck and so like whiplash and I was like okay like if you're trying to portray the experience of being an abused child there is that sort of vacillating between like I'm so sorry what did I do and also why is this person who is a monster just screaming at me Mm -hmm. Um, and like there there isn't warning and there isn't like
0: (laughs) I feel like if I were Frank Perry and you were at some kind of like a Q and A and you were like, "Is this what you were trying to do? I it's would say not what he was trying yes, to yes, that's exactly what I was trying to do Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha <laughs> 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 i think
2: I think it's an accidentally yeah. successful way of trying to tell that story <laughs>
1: <I> <laughs> and would... then
2: it just stops succeeding, yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> i I think to speak to you said there were like there were moments. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, that were successful throughout. I think that, I think that is a lot of what this movie does very well. So there are particular moments that I think are, are structured and set up and portrayed in very compelling ways. Particularly, uh, the, like the birthday scene comes to mind for me. Yeah. Is that, like, you, you get this lavish setup of, like, what a wonder it would be to be raised in such an environment. Not, you know, not, it, it, or especially if you don't know what's coming uh but you also see like you see like the studio interference you mm-hmm. see the 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 constant presence of cameras you see the like the eye twitch of joan as she's like dealing with the with uh with the studio people and trying to figure out like okay well i want to do this thing or she wants to do this thing or we have to we have this yeah. going on there's other people here and trying to balance all of that and you see like there's these these seeds being planted and this chaos being being portrayed and i i i felt like that scene did such a good job communicating those things
0: was there anything about the production that worked? Costumes.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, can I talk okay. about costumes yeah. here? Yeah, <laughs>
0: this this would be that section.
2: So, Joan Crawford was known for her physical presence, mm-hmm. uh, particularly her wide shoulders. Um, <laughs> yes. And Faye Dunaway does not have uh, Joan Crawford's exact build. Uh, so, the costume department did an amazing job of... Taking the 80s penchant for shoulder pads mm-hmm. and just seamlessly blending it with Faye Dunaway's body to make Joan Crawford's feminine black. grotesque manly shoulders. Uh yeah. and I just <laughs> Yes, thank you. Also, someone chopping down an orange tree in a sparkly ball gown is, is oh
0: <laughs> so very good. Like I it may sound like I wish they'd done a page the to page the to f- uh, screen one-to-one transfer that's not true you would have to take liberties yeah. and she was probably in a robe when that happened but uh, the visual of of her in that dress is with amazing smear yeah. Of blood. It, yeah oh
2: also makeup i mean i feel like it kind of goes hand mm-hmm. in hand with costuming but like for sure the Iterative exaggeration of the Joan Crawford eyebrows. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the changing hairstyles with the changing generations. All beautiful. The only thing I would say that super did not work for me makeup wise is the old lady makeup I on Carol Ann at the end. Just
1: thinking about that.
2: <laughs> which was really, really like noticeably terrible. <laughs>
1: I think it it was the first time we saw her. And then when she came back at the funeral, I felt like they had like changed an approach or something that looked better. But maybe I was trying to convince myself of that. I'm not entirely sure. They were really shooting sure.
2: her at different angles and in different lights That's also And true. I think that probably yeah. really helped. Uh, yeah. But that prosthetic was, n- was not doing Carol Ann any favors. Yeah. That actress could have been acting her heart out underneath that thing, and no one would ever know.
0: This is not the right place to talk about this. But I kind of forgot to ask earlier. So in the book, there's suggestion that uh, Joan Crawford may have had a romantic relationship. With Carol Ann. With Carol Ann. I fucking knew it. But there's also... Well, and I guess my question is, like, is that something that was subtextual in the film that you noticed? I didn't feel like it was.
2: It felt very much like... A, and they were roommates where the movie okay. doesn't have any idea...
0: But uh, us okay, watching okay. it in
2: 2022. Like,
1: oh, they were roommates.
0: <laughs> there was a specific incident with one of the governesses, where Joan drunkenly tried to initiate something, and huh. when it happened more aggressively, the governess left. Sure, um, yeah. That so Christina we're gonna does. Go ahead and
2: just add sexual assault to the list.
0: Yeah. It, Yes. It just it's um, now in multiple lists. <laughs> um Christina does say that this is something that she heard from someone else. So it's ah,
1: not so could be hearsay, but Yeah, I
2: given how hungry people were to say things about Joan Crawford yeah. and who she was sleeping with, some of which was engineered by Joan herself, some of which was pretty clearly not.
0: Right. I don't think it really matters one way or another, except for the, if she was a salty, that's yeah, not great. That's not But great. as far as like who she wanted to like boink with, I don't care. But I did, I was curious to see if you felt that they tried to put that in the movie in any it's way. It's
2: very Sappho and her friend from the movie's perspective. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um,
0: themes. What themes do you feel worked?
2: none of the ones they were trying to accomplish
0: there are many themes
2: i I don't like so i can identify several themes that i think it was going for but i don't think it it did any of them
0: justice i agree let's get to that uh (laughs) so for what didn't work actors performers greg
2: greg might have earned his uh
1: And like, I think for most of his performance, he's like fine. Like he's Mm -hmm. not, he's nothing really like to complain about or anything. But in like that big moment where they end up breaking up, and he he's like swinging her around the room and making all these weird ass faces. Like, dude, you, you, you went off the rails like five minutes ago. You're still just going. What is happening?
2: It's. My response to intimate partner violence on screen is usually not to be giggling the whole time.
3: There. What? Um, <laughs>
2: in this particular case, it started out as being a very upsetting scene for Mm. me to be seeing and then very quickly devolved into, why are you making that face, sir?
0: It was very cringy for me. I was like, I'm cringing at first because of the content and then I'm cringing because what is this performance? What are you doing, my dude? Uh, That's something I I left out of the summary. Not intentionally, just um, there's so much bullshit. Uh, There's a lot of, especially in Christine's Early childhood, where Joan would get into drunken fights with whoever she's seeing at the time or married to. Yeah, except for I believe Alfred. It's not the one for Alfred.
2: I guess it's hard to know, but I hope I hope he I hope he just pacifisted her somewhere else and then left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope for the story. <laughs> fuck me for the story. What didn't work?
2: It was trying to tell two stories.
0: <laughs> it uh, as I said earlier, it felt very sp- shitty spark notes to me um where they're trying to hit the big points but not even really doing that very well and they didn't tie them together very no. well. No.
1: And I think part of that is I think lies in like the weird balance that or you know qu- put giant scare quotes around that word mm-hmm. balance there that they're trying to strike with their portrayal of Joan Because mm-hmm. if they're ch- if they were really trying to like soften her image but also be true to the, uh, but like then be true to the uh, to the source material yeah. and try and meet somewhere in the middle. They they thought the middle was on the outside
0: <laughs> in some ways right, yeah.
1: and stuff went all kinds of awry there.
0: I will say full disclosure: I don't like biopics normally because they do tend to be spark sparknotey, because they're trying to cover the entire life usually of a person, um, and it's hard not to jump around. Uh, this we, one's we, we particularly bad.
1: They can't all be Rocket Man.
0: I've oh not God, watched it, so but good. I I would like to.
1: It's fun. Yeah, like if you're gonna be Noty with mm. a uh, with a biopic, make it a jukebox musical. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. And when you have Elton John's life, you get to use Elton John's music. It was great.
2: Which is fun for everybody. It was fun for everybody. Uh, for this movie, which was not a musical, much to its detriment. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently, according not to Christina. Yet. <laughs> um, yeah. The the story wasn't told from anyone's strong point of view. And I think that was a problem that made the tone problems so egregious <laughs> in this movie. And I think that they would have been able to tell a tighter and more coherent story if they had picked a viewpoint.
1: I agree. Yeah, I think like, we had talked a little bit about this doing your uh, your run through of the hero's journey in mm-hmm. uh, in the emoji movie episode. But, like even if you have an ensemble cast, there's going to be a person whose per, whose point of view you're following for the most part who, who yeah. helps like really drive the story. And I feel like this one tries to kind of jump back and forth between uh, Joan and Tina. Yeah, and to the point where like you're losing important context in both of those stories.
2: And it does so fully uncritically.
1: Yes. It presents
2: the events of this movie as the truth and not one person's truth or the others. Yeah. And that makes for a really clashing set of themes that we're supposed to be taking away.
0: You can have Joan or Christina be the protagonist and have the reactions of this other character caused by... The actions and uh, even even when they were in the same room, they didn't seem to have a whole lot of cause and effect.
2: Well, I guess what I'll say is, like, I guess let's pull a pin out of that uh, chocolate sure. that I made earlier. This is a real weird mixed metaphor. Uh, OK, so. <laughs> human beings are not characters, yeah. right? So when we talk about Joan Crawford, she had a really complicated life. Um, and there are a lot of things that happened to her that really suck. And she did a lot of things to people that also really suck. And trying to write a coherent narrative Mm -hmm. about that is not going to work. I, I just don't think that in the space of a Hollywood movie in two hours, there is a satisfying way to both tell the story of an abused child. Mm -hmm. Who grows up to find that even though she thought she had reconciled with her mother, uh, her mother still hadn't fully accepted her. Versus the story of a woman who was fully abused by her family and then the world and then perpetuated that cycle of abuse on the women around her. Like, those are two different stories. And they're both interesting. And they're both valuable. But I don't think you can tell them in the same story.
0: I agree. I just had a moment (laughs) of (laughs) of realization because I've been partially because of of my own abuse and because I've read the book, which is from Christina's point of view. I've only been experiencing this story from her point of view. Right. And I was like, okay, well, as a writer, how would I do Joan's POV? Because I really don't want to or care to. But if I was given that task... It would almost be like a Citizen Kane type story where you're following Charles Foster Kane on this life of trying to be successful and getting the approval of the press, but sacrificing the joy of his relationships. Um Which, like, Joan was a very successful actress. She achieved that. And then she, be- she became a fucking, like, soda pop mogul.
2: <laughs> but she also... And I, like... I don't know. Like, I don't know how to do this in a way that is appropriate for the Internet because the Internet does not like nuanced discourse. But I'm going to try. So
0: That's all right. There's like three people listening. And that's fair. We lost two of them after the opening.
2: So Joan Crawford shows patterns throughout her life of seeking all this external validation. And she gets it for a while. She does the thing. Right. She's a young, attractive woman. And she wiggles her hips in the correct way and drinks the correct amount of alcohol to make Hollywood love her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then she ages and our society cannot handle aging women.
0: Especially at that time. If you were an older actress, you were done.
2: Even now, Faye Dunaway did this role and afterwards she was discarded for a while because she portrayed an aging flawed woman and we cannot we women are not allowed to be humans they have to be archetypes and so joan crawford like attained the thing that her likely personality disorder like drove her to want and then it was taken away from her by time (laughs) and she in order to survive, had to perform a grotesque version of female aging on film. Like, what happened to Baby Jane Mm -hmm. is hagsploitation, right? (laughs) Where, like, it's... Half of it is, look at how grotesque an older woman's face is.
0: Are you speaking specifically about Joan in that film, or Ben Davis? I'm
2: talking about both of them. Okay. And the fact that joan goes on to do several more in this vein of like i'm the creepy older woman Mm. who's making the wrong choices right and it's like she she had this shining moment in the sun of being a femme fatale and then she has to pay for it the rest of her life by performing her worst nightmare and society's worst nightmare for them to stare at her and like All of that is tragic, and also she ruined a bunch of people's lives. Like, I, you know, and I don't, like, I think there are multiple stories here, and it kind of tried to tell some of them, this movie, and didn't succeed. It didn't tell Joan's story, and it didn't tell Christina's very well.
0: We kind of skipped over this. Yeah. Or I kind of skipped over this. When we didn't talk about, like, what didn't work for production, I wonder what the budget was. I suspect it was not great.
2: I mean, they hired... So the costumer they hired had worked on, like, several huge budget pictures. Okay. Um, so they at least... They had they had some money for clothes.
0: The, the sets looked pretty rough to me. Mm-hmm. If I were tasked with trying to tell the entire story of both Christina and Joan's life, I would want it to be, like, a six-part, <laughs> like, hour-and-a-half-each-episode story. With so the could, HBO treatment. Yeah. So you could show her... I mean, so few actors lasted as long as she did. I mean, to go from silent era up to, what, like the 70s, I think? That's crazy.
2: Is that a success? Given, Um, Given where her career ended?
0: I think it depends on what you call success. For me, I think she was a successful actress in the memory of the audience.
2: From what I understand, she's been rehabbed quite a bit since this movie came out um, in the sense that, like, as people move further away from the scandal of Mommy Dearest being Mm -hmm. released, that is less the thing people think of the first like the second they hear the name Joan Crawford. Um, But there was a time around her death in the release of this movie where she was not known for much beyond, Hmm. oh, she was a famous actress and then she got she she beat her daughter with hangers yeah and like she was she was that crazy bitty with cold cream smeared on her face making scary faces at the camera like that's that's what a lot of cultural understanding of Joan Crawford was in around the time when we were young from what I understand
0: I think as TCM has been more accessible yes (laughs) um, like I don't I didn't know anything about her history with her children when I watched whatever happened to baby Jane the first time really even until we started talking about maybe doing this movie. Yeah. uh, And I was like, Oh, okay. There's like more to her than I knew she was a successful actress who (laughs) was a gay icon. Yeah. Johnny guitar is highly underrated, but I can absolutely see because like Faye Dunaway was not like a small actress, like especially at that time. I can see why if you had asked me this same question in 1983. I would say, yeah, probably not a successful career. Asking now, I don't know how many people instantly jump to the Mommy Dearest story.
2: I think between the Mommy Dearest story and, again, that the fact that she is known for starting the exploitation genre. Like that when people talk about that word, they talk about Joan Crawford. And I do not think that is something that she would have... Chosen for herself if she hadn't put herself into the financial situation that she had.
0: I'm going to be honest. I haven't actually heard the word haxploitation until just today (laughs) in this
2: hour. So it was started with what happened to baby Jane. Okay. um, And it sort of... Oh,
0: man. Have you seen X? You're not going to like X at all. (laughs) I have not. (laughs) It's really Um, good, but it's definitely haxploitation.
2: I mean, Hmm. it's aging female bodies do not scare me which means that a lot of hag exploitation hits really weird for me but i you know there's there's an archetype of a creepy older woman that skitters in and out of our cultural consciousness for a reason yeah um and that fear of aging to be so synonymous with joan for a while i i just don't think that's something she would have chosen for herself
0: i would agree with that let's for a moment separate joan from this conversation and address why exploitation is a dangerous or um yeah i'll say dangerous Um, thought process
2: i'd say it's certainly misogynistic yeah so the idea of a woman who is not a sexual object or a mother is kind of difficult for our tropes to accommodate And so one of the things that our stories tend to do with those women is we stick them in a box where there's something really wrong with them and they're super creepy. And isn't this just like grotesque? She's got wrinkles, everybody look at the wrinkles. Isn't that gross? And for whatever reason, adding that character to a story was like a thing for a while where like it started with whatever happened to baby Jane, which is, Literally about two people who were known for being young and beautiful and then all of a sudden, like, disappeared and then we find out they're ugly later because they're old. Yeah. And you're supposed to, like, just associate this, these characters with this feeling of, like, aging and decay and, like, rotten secrets underneath the floorboards.
0: And, like... Let's break this down even (sighs) further. So, if I'm writing a, a movie and it's a spooky movie... And the villain of it is the scary old hag. Why would that be a... And I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I no, absolutely agree. Sure. <laughs> Why would that be a negative thought process to continue in our society?
2: So it's or not... Pre-
0: or to perpetuate.
2: Necessarily terrible to have an older woman be a villain in your story, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's fine. Villains come in all kinds of flavors. Yes. If her creepiness is coming specifically from the fact that she does not look young and that she's not somebody's wife or mother. Like, if it's just like, oh, she's an old woman and she lives alone in that house on the end of the block.
1: And hasn't died yet.
2: She has too many cats. Like, we just, for whatever reason, like, we do all kind of not all of us uh i assume there's someone out there that hasn't had this ingrained into them from birth and for you god bless but most of us are taught to kind of associate that aesthetic with like something's wrong with her the witch yeah yeah uh the other and so most older women who live alone are not villains no uh and it turns out that when you, all the stories that you tell about older women who live alone involve them eating babies (laughs) like it's not great they
0: have better recipes than you like what's the problem
2: like we're training we're training people to think about older women in a really specific way when we tell these stories and only these stories
0: when really it's the
1: older women with the death rays that you need to really keep an eye out for
2: (laughs) and i do think like i think it's worth noting also that the hag exploitation film genre in particular really targeted aging film stars to Mm -hmm. be in these movies so like Half of the draw and the way that they were marketed was kind of toward this, like, come look at Joan Crawford's wrinkles in this movie. Um, Don't
1: you want to see this old time beauty taken down a peg?
2: And so it's like half our tropes are problematic and then half the way we treat Hollywood stars is a human rights violation.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sums it up. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. That's excellent analysis. Hell Yeah.
2: Can you tell us that about this movie a lot?
0: <laughs> I a I little. would love to see your read on the movie X that came out this
1: year, I think. It was this year, yeah. It's
0: it, it also has quite a bit to say uh about women's role in society and in pornography. But the the uh, antagonist is a older woman mm. who is gone a little senile, and I think she was previously a ballerina.
2: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Uh, but that's for another podcast. Mm. Uh, let's shift into fixes. I Mine's pretty short. Cool. Um, again, I saw this mostly from Christina's point of view, and I would therefore show the movie from Christina's point of view. Uh, I didn't bother with a whole lot of recasting. I think Faye's fantastic. I probably would have recast the older version of christina however i would the way i would want to tell the film is kind of you know when you think of mommy dearest i think of the way to fix it would be full metal jacket where you (laughs) have instead of having a traditional three-act film full metal jacket is split down the middle you have you present the argument and then you show the other side of the argument yeah war and peace people did not like that Uh, i did but you know fuck you So what I would want to do with Mommy Dearest is show the three different time periods of a child's connection with their parent when they're very young, when they're in their teen years, and when they're an adult. Specifically, I would want the actress, because they they really skipped over the teen years. and That's Mm -hmm. the part I would want to really flesh out, would be Jodie Foster, who would have been, I think we said, what, 18? Yeah. She would have been 18 this time she was one of the better child actors i've ever seen she was in taxi driver right that's
1: that's immediately where my mind went
0: and then the same year she was in uh the little girl who lives down the lane which is a, a lesser known quasi horror thriller and she, fuck like she's good in taxi driver but she's a very small part whereas in the other film which i think i'm getting the title right she's the main character okay very much recommend neat and seeing each of the phases of this woman's life trying to connect with her mother and failing that's interesting to me seeing her waiting as a child for mommy dears to come home from whatever thing happened at work that's interesting to me seeing her peace at night interrupted by this woman's whatever's going on with her that a child doesn't understand and seeing so like after the f- the first act where you see her as a child living with Joan then seeing the second act where she's away from school and still being controlled by her, her mother it's almo- almost almost raises a horror film
1: I would say you're almost kind of, yeah you're almost kind of a re like a refiguring Joan's role in this into like uh, like a like a uh, like a monster that's just not that's like felt but not seen
0: yeah yeah um you see them very much in the first act. You feel them in the second act, and then you've been conditioned by the third act uh, that, like, Jen doesn't even have to say or be there for you to have her be a part of you. Uh, That's the movie I would tell. You, however, have a different idea.
2: I do. So I think this movie is two movies, so I want to make it two movies. I think that one movie could probably be pretty close to what you're describing, except I would keep the camp. Um, okay. Okay. because I think there's something really effective Uh, I don't want to say too much here okay so people who are in abusive situations often have a moment in the middle of something intense where they go this is fucking ridiculous mm. what is happening why am I here what are you doing what is this yeah. Um, like if you take a step back and look at it you're fighting about something incredibly ridiculous and this person is being actually terrifying to you but also from a third-party standpoint probably would be kind of like weirdly funny to watch because you're like screaming about shrimp or fucking knitting needles or whatever and like (laughs) it's terrifying when you're in the middle of it but also i understand why someone who's never had that experience would be at a midnight showing laughing at this i like there there's a certain amount of absurdity in the experience of having that kind of relationship and i think that this movie does an actually pretty good job of showing how just incomprehensibly absurd it that experience Mm -hmm. is sometimes and i would really want to keep that feeling for christina's movie
0: okay i can see that working
2: so like i'm i'm keeping Faye in both of these and in christina's movie she gets to be no holds barred, no fear, dive in, two feet, like, fully submerged, absolutely lost her shit, right? And then the second movie, I, like, my, my concept for the first one is maybe, like, we show Christina's childhood up to when she maybe gets the soap opera, something like that. Like, we get Christina through Christina's growing up mm-hmm. period.
0: So Christina's would be the first film?
2: Yes. Okay. So we have Phase Joan... As a fully unhinged character who with penciled on eyebrows who screeches a lot In right christina's yes, okay, and Let's then for Joan's movie, Faye Dunaway gets to do her Faye Dunaway, where she shows Joan as a person. It is not Christina's job to see Joan as a person. It is never the job no. of an abuse uh, of, of an abuse victim to understand why the abuse happened, right? It doesn't matter. Abuse shouldn't happen and no one should have to experience it. And it's not the job of Christina's story to tell us about Joan and where she's coming from and why this is happening. But I think that story is useful for us to tell in terms of helping our society understand some of these really damaging cycles that we're in. Um, And so the second movie would still be Faye Dunaway playing Joan Crawford, Mm -hmm. but it would be... Joan's story of growing up in an abusive and very disadvantaged situation changing her stars and then watching them change back.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a, I'm kind of like can we do that? That's <laughs> like a really good idea. I I I don't think that this is where you're going but if it were in lesser hands I would be concerned that they would show her as this monster in the first film and then show the second film as like Not like a redemption arc, but kind of like, we'll see. This is why she was the way she was. It's not that bad now. She's not that bad of a person.
2: I have never, to my knowledge, treated anyone the way that Joan Crawford treated her children. But I have had times where my poor mental health has negatively affected the people around me. Mm -hmm. And that was my fault. And I don't think it was okay. It makes me sad. And so what I would like people to feel coming out of this second movie about Joan is that the whole thing is fucking sad because that's how I feel about it is like it's sad that that happened to her. It's sad that she perpetuated that cycle. It's sad that what we talk about with it now is how... Hilariously campy that lady in the cold cream yeah. hitting people with hang- hangers was. Like it's the whole absolutely thing, a
0: tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: I would want it, I would want it to play that way. I would want it to be absolutely clear that part of Joan's tragedy is that she fails to stop these cycles from continuing.
0: Yeah. Man. I now I'm trying to think if there are any other kind of dual movies like that.
1: The only one I could think of was it. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, I guess that is. Yeah, it, I guess. It?
1: Yeah, I didn't think about that, but huh. yeah, it it, it kind of is
0: like that, huh? Because you you almost have like a Rashomon thing where you're showing the story from different points of view. But just but, but
1: you're you're just fleshing out two particular ones to yeah. a greater extent.
0: Shit, I don't want to do Joan's story, but like telling that story, but without the the baggage of the Hollywood star behind it, I'd write that story.
2: I think it's I think it's one that we fail to tell a lot. I think to go back to something we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, when we talk about people with narcissistic personality disorder and people who perpetuate narcissistic abuse, and by the way, those are not synonyms. There are a lot of people with narcissistic personality disorder who do a lot of hard work to try and alter their behavior. Many don't succeed, and then we have narcissistic abuse, but they're not the same thing, and... It is not the job of the people who have been abused to understand those dynamics, but it is the job of society to understand that we cannot just write people off as unsalvageable monsters who who don't deserve support because that creates more narcissists because there are more people that are victimized by abuse that then grow on to develop disorders. Mm
0: -hmm. Um.
2: What we need to do is recognize that, like, personality disorders are painful for everyone involved. And some people, their only job is to heal from what was done to them. And some people, our job is to prevent them from hurting others. And both of those people are humans who deserve, if not our empathy, our systemic support.
0: I don't disagree. but
2: (laughs) it's not it's not a fun narrative to talk about and Mm. as someone who has experienced one side of this you're like it's not your job to internalize this like you're you're not the you're not the choir i'm preaching to
0: sure yeah and and like in therapy i i'm i'm doing emdr right now so Mm. frequently i will tell my therapist that logically i understand this emotionally this is how i feel and while I'm listening to you emotionally, I'm like, I'm going to punch every single narcissist I meet in the face, <laughs> sometimes in the throat. But logically, like, I absolutely understand where you're coming from um, and agree. And because those two feelings are of equal strength, I'm just going to say, yes. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I, I mean, shan't be doing it, but I agree. <laughs>
2: yeah, this is this is work that other people can take on. And part of that starts by... Not having the only narrative about narcissistic abuse right. be one that you attend midnight showings of oh, with wire God. hangers that you bring, and you yell. Oh at come
1: the- on!
0: <laughs> if that's the vibe you want, Rocky Horror, you is get to out
1: throw there. rice and bread at the screen. Have
2: you ever seen a midnight showing of The Room? It will
1: change your fucking no, life. I need what are you to. doing? I, on- I, I I also need to get to a midnight showing of The Room. You just need to see I the need room, period. Room, yeah.
0: <gasps> yeah, I've never seen it. Um, maybe that's what we'll do for Christmas instead of some awful fucking <laughs> evangelical film. Oh
2: my god, I need to be here, please. <laughs> please I'm, let I, me I, watch I, Jack watch the room.
0: I've been saying for I've been saying for
1: yeah. a while we need to get a bunch of people together because Emily and Vince absolutely will watch it with us as Emily fucking loves that movie.
0: Uh, the couple that's of clips that's... I've seen I hate. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: i I promise it is so much worse in context
0: that, that, right i'm like out of context i hate this in context i feel like i'm probably gonna hate it a lot more
2: it's uh oh, it's a beautiful mess uh but it's not so i guess that's something that i will say about this movie in particular when i think of razzies i often think of like a oh it's so bad it's good kind of thing
1: this
2: and- this does not fit that for me at all
1: yeah, I I, I, I I would agree with you there.
2: I I would agree really really deeply with what Roger Ebert said about this movie, which is that it left him feeling gross.
1: It's not often that we ag- end up agreeing with Roger Ebert or any other critics. No, on I really the show. really don't
0: like that man, but um,
1: <laughs> he was like,
2: I I did, this movie made me feel awful. Like it, do- I don't know why anyone would watch that.
0: So I'm not going to agree with him, but I will agree with Christina, who had the exact same feeling. <laughs> Yeah. Uh she said this movie's grotesque.
1: I mean she went so far as to as to And fiction. As to uh direct her own movie later on in life really? called Surviving Mommy Dearest. I did not know that. I haven't watched it, but uh, I, 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 I found it on IMDb after as we were were doing our watch through, and I'm fascinated to see what's what it's about and like what happens in this movie because she wrote and directed the whole thing.
0: Well, I guess she does have a background in theater. Yeah. So it's not like some rando using their not using all of their nepotism there's definitely some nepotism there well um so before i present my last question is there anything else we want to discuss as far as narcissism the story of society blah 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 blah. all, all of the stuff that you want to get out this would be the space
2: yeah i don't know i think i think one theme that we haven't talked on uh, talked about that i think the movie kind of unintentionally shows us is the way that women sort of perpetuate society's sort of grotesque expectations onto each other yeah um where like we see the movie opens on joan doing this bonkers ass uh morning routine where she's like scrubbing her hands in boiling water and then dunking her face in ice witch hazel (laughs) yeah and then we see her later in the movie at different points both scold her daughter for caring about her looks but then also scolding her daughter for not looking correct yeah yeah. and i think that's just such a perfect encapsulation of what we are asking women particularly women in hollywood to do which is both look perfect all the time but don't make me think that you're thinking
1: about it yeah yeah uh that's and i a, think such a f- Fucking like the
0: well, same thing with
1: fall of a double standard. Yeah.
0: Same thing with the children; they're like, we want you to be the mother, a ch- like a good caregiver, but also don't have children because that's it
1: kind of it, it old. Ew.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know, we want you to keep making movies, but also you're a terrible mom if you do that. Right. Uh, like there, there are so many layers to what society did to Joan, and that she then passes directly on to yeah. her daughter, and.
1: Cycles of abuse. Yeah. But
2: I mean, these are these are like societal. And yeah. I will tell you that a, a man has never once told me that I need to put on makeup before leaving the house. What men will say is, are you feeling okay? You look if tired. I'm, if, if I'm not, uh, like, if I didn't draw another face on top of my face before I see them, <laughs> they, will, they will ask me whether I'm okay.
0: That's why I wear my makeup 24-7.
2: But I grew up in a house <laughs> with women and... You know, not that I blame any of them for this because it it was absolutely correct that the world will chew you up and spit you out if you don't look right. But I got a lot of messaging from the other women in my family about like, oh, you're going to want to put on some mascara before you leave. (laughs) Like, you're not wearing that, right? Like, Hmm. a a lot of that stuff is self-reinforcing within women's spaces. It's this weird double edge sword of both trying to protect someone that you care about from the vagaries of a cruel world, while also directly perpetuating the horrible things that the world has done to you.
0: I, I yeah. think there's that with between Joan and Christina, but there's also, especially whenever Christina eventually became an actress, I feel like there's direct competition. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: There's certainly plenty of that, too. And there's plenty of that out in the world, also. Like, you know, women... We all are raised in a society that has a "there are only so many slices of pie" mindset, and you know, at some point, we're all given the idea that other women might take our piece if we don't if we don't step up.
1: Ah, uh, the intersections of misogyny and classism. I do like and pie. baking and baking. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> fuck you. Um... <laughs> yeah, this podcast was getting too good. I had to fuck it up a little bit. um <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. As soon as you said pie, I was like, "Ooh, like key lime." I'm getting pretty hungry. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> like we had dinner before this, but also, yeah.
0: So let's. I uh, have one, one more question, and then we're gonna fuck off. Uh, so now that we have this story of Joan Crawford, are you wouldn't not that you have watched a whole lot of her films, but like, would you still be able to watch her films?
1: I think so.
2: I think they'd make me sadder than they might have otherwise. Probably.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think the, yeah, I think they would be tinged with a lot a lot more baggage than originally intended, but I think I'd still be able to watch them and enjoy them.
0: It it's hard because it's very few actresses of that time period I can like watch them in a movie and say like, Man, they're kinda cool. Kind of a badass. Uh not whatever happened to Baby James. Not in that yeah. film. But in like Johnny Guitar and Mildred Pierce, I'm like
2: Man. Yeah, no, she's, she's awesome. Yeah. In Mildred yeah. Pierce, she, yeah, she tells Bert to pack his bag or whatever, <laughs> Wait, no, and it's she... like hell yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: In Johnny Guitar, she owns her own saloon, and when some like ruffians come in into town to like kill a bunch of dudes, she's like, "No, I'll shoot you."
2: It's those shoulders. <laughs> it's they, the shoulders, They saw right? her coming, and they were like, "We're gonna put you in some power rolls."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I know you're joking, but also kind of.
2: No, I'm, I'm <laughs> like, mostly serious, yeah. honestly. like they, they, sh- her, her talent rose to the path that her frame opened for her, I think.
0: Like, yeah. her costume in Johnny Guitar, I'm like, I think my Nima wore something like that. And she also had, kind of had like Joan's shorter hair as well. Mm. What a fucking wild movie, story, book. <laughs> event life society this is a this is the podcast we, is called the razzle and we, we, we covered a lot today holy shit if you just came from watching the emoji movie um <laughs> our episode on the emoji movie and turned this on you're you're welcome you're welcome i'm uh, not sorry <laughs> oh <come on. laughs> Why did you do that? That's that's the the kind of thing you could expect it from Drazzle. Uh, the unexpected, the um the sadness as well as the <laughs> stupid. Got nowhere to go <laughs> except for to bed. Good night, world.
1: So thank you all for listening for listening and joining us here for this. Please if you haven't already, please rate and review the show everywhere that you possibly can. Thank you to uh, the fine folks at the Red Dove Podcast for reviewing us on uh, on Good Pods. They are lovely. Check them out as well. Tell all your friends uh, to subscribe and follow us on social media, wherever they can find us, and uh, spread the word about the show.
0: Ooh,
1: merch. Merch is going to be a thing that's coming up very soon. We are launching a Redbubble store. Uh, it'll probably be up by the time this episode goes up. Maybe?
0: Uh, yeah, there's a good chance, if not shortly after.
1: Yeah, so keep an eye out for that. We'll be sure to share that on all of our social medias and whatnot. Derazzled Pod on Twitter, Derazzled Podcast on Facebook, Derazzled underscore podcast on Instagram, and Dullboy underscore Jack on
0: TikTok. The uh, the skirt looks real good.
1: He's it's not lying it's, about that. It it's, shouldn't, it, but it, it shouldn't. Do. It's stupid that this miniskirt actually works. Coming ne- to
2: a Pittsburgh improv stage near yeah. you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, Becca, do you want to do you want to uh, to plug yeah. any uh, any of your sh- any improv shows coming up?
2: I mean, sure. If you live in Pittsburgh and you want to come see some idiots do some musical improv, we have a Animal Facts show on Saturday, August sixth. Yes. I think that's correct. That's correct. At eight PM at the Steel City Improv Theater, and tickets are only like I don't know, friggin' ten bucks. Uh, it's a nonprofit. Try and write it off on your taxes. I'm not an <laughs> I'm not an accountant, so maybe that won't work. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we have we have an Instagram Animal Facts Pgh that occasionally posts stuff, including pictures of my cats, which are excellent.
0: Animal facts F A C T S. Yes. Okay.
2: Like straight English. We didn't want to do anything cutesy. We're improvisers. We're not smart enough for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Look that up. Enjoy that, and then you should come back here uh, again because we will sure we are sure to um, do a thing that you're going to say now.
1: You did it. Razzle
2: dazzle, yeah.
0: (laughs) Let's try
1: that one more time. No, it was perfect. No, the we're end. trying it again. No, we're trying Goodbye, it again. Bye everybody. I'm gone. Jack, God <laughs> fucking damn it.